0: That's not what they make alfoil rolls out of old sorts, was, and you know. It's just know. like how
1: they used to like make paper out of mummies.
0: Yeah, it's totally, it's exactly <laughs> what they do. <laughs> yeah, well, well, you read running. the finer print on your uh, alfoil? Yeah.
2: Ben McKenzie. Welcome to Pratchett, the monthly Terry Pratchett book club podcast. Each month we discuss one of Terry Pratchett's books with a special guest.
1: This month we're talking about interesting times or King Hong in Hong Kong.
2: And our guest is the director of the UNESCO City of Literature, Melbourne, David Riding. Welcome, David. Thanks. I should say it's a UNESCO a City of yes, literature. there so yes. is more one than of, one, isn't one there? One of
0: 28, but the only one that possibly has a podcast talking about Terry Pratchett. Really? Mm. Yeah, I think so.
2: Wow. Yeah. Do, are you going to put that in your literature? We'd be very honoured. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's on the webpage now already. Oh, <laughs> good Lord. Okay. Uh, but welcome, welcome. You've, uh, you're not new to Terry Pratchett, of course. No, no,
0: no. I, I've read them all, I think, up until the last four, and I was, I was thinking about this this morning. This is the first one I paid for. I didn't shoplift the others. Um, <laughs> all the other ones were lent to me. So oh. this is, it was kind of interesting to remember that. So I read them as I came out in mm. sort of that sort of fury of excitement which might sort of cloud my original opinion of them.
2: Yes. Well, I, it's it, that does seem to be a theme. There were several people on Twitter saying it was their first one mm. that they bought. Um, I think it was the f- current one that was out when I started mm. reading them or, or very nearly. Yeah. yeah.
1: It was the first, no, it's, I bought it for the first time is what I'm trying to say, <laughs> very recently. Oh, yes.
2: So, yeah. I feel before we go on too far, David, some of our listeners might not know what a UNESCO City of Literature is. Can you fill us in? Uh, yes, it's possibly not as exciting as interesting times, but um, we
0: certainly live in them. I'll give it a go. Uh, so Melbourne is a UNESCO City of Literature, one of 28 in the world. We were the second in the world. We have been for 11 years. Uh, we got it for a whole lot of reasons. Um well, one of the main reasons was the percentage of people who read in Melbourne, percentage of independent bookstores, library usage, but it's basically Europe, you know, literature informs the life of the city. Uh, and what we do with the designation is trying to make sure that there's an equity of opportunity across the city as well as connect with all our sister cities.
2: And the, the, was the first one Edinburgh?
0: Yes. Yeah. Yes, the hmm. parent city we call them. We call them mum. It's very awkward. Scottish mum. That's and we were nice. second by three weeks. We beat Iowa City, which we remind them all the time. <laughs> I bet you all do. the time. It's a
1: complex lineage if it's three weeks and you're calling that one mum, but... Yeah.
0: No, no, no. Edinburgh <laughs> was four years okay. and Iowa City was three weeks after us.
1: Oh, well, that's fine then. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just got awkward.
2: Uh, yeah. Well, it's well, going
1: to get more awkward because of this book. So. Yeah, well, yeah.
2: well, we know that, you know, the life cycle of cities is very different from the life cycle of human beings. It's true. Uh, they start as a trolley. Yeah, yeah. that's right. I hatch out of a snow globe. Yeah. Um, that's cool. Well, uh, and Pratchett, of course, used to come to Melbourne all the time for yes. signing tours. Did he ever come here while we were a city of literature? I don't believe so. I don't believe he was. I
0: think he'd stopped travel by then.
2: Mm. So, yeah, the the peak of that seemed to be around the sort of mid to late nineties.
0: Yeah, because there was a there was a moment when it really blossomed, and I was trying to line that up with this book because seventeen books is impressive, mm. and he's possibly ripping them out a bit by the by this stage because there's a like. A moment, I think, when he sort of discovered plot and it kind of lines up with some of the the guards' books and and possibly the guards' book before with a gun. I think it's around about this time. Yeah, Men at Arms mm-hmm. is a few before this. Yeah, so. when he starts to... It's not just tropes and stereotypes and momentum and funny asides about fantasy books. He's got something, something
2: to say. Mm. Yeah.
1: This one certainly does have plot.
2: Yes, Yes, it does. It has it many does. things.
1: Several plots, in fact. Yeah. Uh,
2: it has of various kinds. That we're going to talk about. And look, perhaps we should just get straight into it. So we'll start as we traditionally do with a reading of the blurb. Mighty battles, revolution, death, war, and his son's terror and panic and daughter Clancy. The oldest and most inscrutable empire on the Discworld is in turmoil, brought about by the revolutionary treatise, What I Did on My Holidays. Workers are uniting with nothing to lose but their water buffaloes. War and Clancy are spreading throughout the ancient cities, and all that stands in the way of terrible doom for everyone is Rincewind the wizard, who can't even spell the word wizard, Cohen, the barbarian hero, five foot tall in his surgical sandals, who has a lifetime's experience of not dying, and a very special butterfly. That, now you're saying there are multiple plots that kind of does identify the main It doesn't really It really has: plot, and I it?
0: think we're overstating the butterfly's effect. we're giving it a plot. Yeah, it's certainly yeah. there,
2: but it's uh, yeah, it's um. Look, I'll just, I just I'll look. I'll come out and say it. I think it's it's basically an excuse for the rest of the plot to not to rely pretty heavily on coincidence. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They start
1: with the gods playing like a game, yeah. so like it just yeah.
2: It's definitely a theme for Rincewind's adventures. Yeah, it's kind of excusing his lack of momentum
0: that everything's being forced on him.
1: I'm sorry, but it does leave out the most important plot of all, which is the luggage finding a girlfriend. <laughs>
0: I have to just just quickly how good is The Luggage? i have forgotten about The Luggage because it's been possibly 20 years since I've read a Terry Pratchett. Yeah. And yeah. maybe less. And The Luggage is the best character ever.
1: I was hoping for more luggage throughout. Like yeah. every time luggage showed up I'm like, "Good, there's going to be like a big luggage plot." And like no, it kind of no. was, but
2: just it, no, it just throughout. vanishes from the book for most of it. Yeah, it just does its thing. It's
0: still there's, one of my favorite things right up there with a the Librarian, which I just have to give a shout out to. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Is no. there a scene between the luggage and the librarian in this book, or are they just sort of adjacent but They're not? They're in the
2: same room, but they don't interact really. Because
1: mm. I think that would be great. Yeah. Side book, luggage and librarian go on a holiday. That would be amazing. Mm. You could pack
2: a lot of books in that luggage. Yeah, yeah. Be mm. <laughs> travelling library. Well,
0: arguably, the uh, luggage could have been the main character for the, you know, oh. forward momentum and just drop
2: Windswind. Oh, sure. I, look- I like him. I'm a big fan, but. I think look, I I want to say this at the start as well. I think this is Rincewind is his Rince Windiest uh in this book. <laughs> Rincewindiest. Like, yeah, but I think he just exemplifies the the traits that make him who he is in this book. Like he, he the number of times he gets the drop on someone by running away unexpectedly. Mm. Uh I mean it I think probably gets it overused a little bit, but it just feels like he is his his whole shtick is being genre aware. And in this book he uses it to maximum advantage, mm. more so than any of his others, I felt. I don't know how to, to. I mean, you know, we've talked many times on the podcast about people's varying degrees of love for Windswain.
0: Yeah, it's surprisingly not loved. I didn't realize. I quite loved him, but I, I think I ignored the other books. Like the first two books are so impactful to me. They're such a ridiculous delight. Like I grew up reading a lot of fantasy and science fiction, and read, you know, all the, you know, the the classics. And those two books are just crazy. And I think it's almost disrespectful to bring him back after those two books. He should have just been in passing every now and again.
2: Mm. Yeah, he does. I mean, he does. they do have a very different feel. Yeah. yeah.
3: Mm. Mm.
1: I feel like maybe sorcery for me is where he's at his most rinse wind, but mm. here he's more aware of how rinse wind he is, if that makes sense. So this now is, he's using his rinse wind. post rinse wind. And yeah. he's got
0: all his, all his mates back Yeah, as well. And that kind of highlights him having those supporting characters like Cohen and, you know. Two Flower. Yeah, sort of, He's sort of there, sort of, sort yeah. of. He's sort of informing the book, isn't he?
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, is, look, we're, we're going to get into it. Is it? Should we? I mean, I think there's there's an. I, w- I don't want to say there's an elephant in the room, but it kind of is uh, that we should address because I had to say the word inscrutable whilst reading the blurb, and I think that's kind of symptomatic of the thing that made us all a bit uncomfortable about this book. Yes
0: so we're gonna just say it the casual it. racism yeah i think we have to say it <laughs> yeah it's 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 it is it's it's really interesting it, I, I was reflecting on it it's kind of like Bill Bryson's books you know his travel books I don't know if you've read them you know all those bearded Englishmen seem the same to me um he <laughs> he did a fantastic book traveling around England fantastic book traveling around America and they just got more generalized and I kind of read this one and went this is such a generalized look at what is it, a kind of mash up of China and Japan.
1: Yeah. One and of the comments we got was that it seemed like Hong Kong with um with some Japan element in it, which I disagree with. It felt more pan Asian than that. It didn't feel like Hong Kong mm. to me. But
2: and that in itself is a is a fantasy yeah. trope to have like yeah. the European part of the map is all different nations with different subtleties and different but then as soon as you go anywhere else, like to the equivalent of the Middle East yeah. or to the equivalent of africa or the equivalent of asia it's just one homogenous mass where mm. everything interesting from that region yeah. is just thrown in together yeah yeah and
0: the, the, there's a question that's possibly putting a lot of depth into the book which isn't there but it just popped in my head is he satiring that area or is he trying to satire our view of that area that you know in some of these sort of fantasy books that's the sort of representation we get Hmm. I don't believe he's doing the latter, but I just wanted to give him dignity that it wasn't quite as racist as it was.
1: Because I was thinking about that as well because the white saviour trope is big in fantasy as well and that is a big part of this book and because the Discworld series did start off or still is a satire of that area, it could be. Like it could be leaning into that a little bit.
2: I feel like you see little glimmers of where that might be the case, but – yeah, but then, you know, you get a scene with like sumo wrestlers depicted as big oh. like dumb animals. And, and in, the language and like, thing. The oh, language yeah. thing.
0: But also the fact that the that ankh Park is seen as the better place, which is so obviously not.
2: Yeah, even by the, the main villain. Yeah. Like, um, that was quite disturbing.
1: <laughs> but is that because it's seen through Two Flower's lens? Like because all they've seen of it really is the book and mm. Two Flower just love the heck out of it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think- don't
0: know. Like I I reckon he wrote some brilliant satire and I think the guards' books are really clever and and quite, um, at times, quite, what's the word I'm looking for? Moving. Moving's not the word. But I don't think this is it. Affecting. They're affecting. Affecting. Affecting, that's a word. I knew I was going to say adjusting, but that sounds like I was changing my pants. Um, (laughs) I don't think this is satire. I think it, I kind of reckon this is lazy and he had his 17th book and he went back to these characters and chucked them in a situation. It's got some really nice bits and it's got a kind of interesting plot and you could say it shows the difference between Western and Eastern civilization, and things like that. Or you can say he was just generalising it and there's a few. You know, the other uncomfortable thing is the horde and possibly too many rape jokes. Yeah, and yeah, it's, And definitely. comedy doesn't age, which brought a question to me of, is there going to be a new generation discovering Terry Pratchett or are we the generation who are going to reread it mm. um, and adore it but it's going to
2: just pass through in time? Yeah. Well, look, we, we should get into the plot. Uh, mm. we, we've alluded to the fact that it does start, as many Ren to Win books do, with the gods playing games. Mm. And the um, lady who
1: will not be named.
2: Yeah. Voldemort. Oh, God, no, <laughs> that's not her name. <laughs> uh, but I, I do love that they, they play other kinds of board games. Yeah. Mm. Um, because, you know, I'm a board game nerd, so yeah. I was into it. Uh, and I wonder if he's written it today, where there'd be a Setless of Catan reference in there. Castles uh, of Mad King Ludwig. Uh, oh, that'd be a great one. Yeah. Uh, that listeners, if you've got great ideas for what board games you think the gods on the Discord should play, I would like to hear them. The hashtag is Pratchat21 for this episode. So please, you know, chime in if you've and got
1: this any ideas. it 21st book, isn't it, as well? 17th. Ah, oh, damn it. There's another one where like we Sorry. did the... All right, everything's ruined. Yeah, Go we home. need a
2: name for that. It's like a uh, like like a you know when you get a Google whack, like when you 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 do a search on Google mm. and you get exactly one result for your search term. That's, That's that never called? happened. That guy to guy It's called a, cl- called a Google whack. Yeah, and, uh, did they, whack. Did the comedy show about it? Yeah, yeah. It, it, there are rules about it. Like it has to be two. You can only yeah. use two words. Like you can't use like a thirty-word sentence with in, you know inverted commas around it. And these days, it's very difficult to get one. But uh, yeah, we need a term for that when we accidentally manage to do a Discord book. At the it, same and it's in the sequence it's the it's the same number of the episode it's not going to happen very often because we're trying to spread yeah. them out a bit yeah because we want to pepper the uh, the non-discord ones in between the discord ones every now and then
1: like luggage through in twin book
2: yeah oh,
0: luggage how good is the luggage yeah yeah did everyone who read it want to have the luggage yeah, absolutely it be I still great? do right yeah yeah. I've I mean, forgotten the luggage. It was such a delight to, to read the luggage again. How great with it, but you just carry your stuff around with oh, you. you it, eats to, it, it eats, eats <laughs>
1: sharks? It eats I,
0: sharks. When I was reading that bit, I went, I have no idea what that is. I went, oh, it's the luggage. Mm. How did I forget the luggage? Yeah.
1: But I, it was an interesting arc for the luggage, going from like apex predator to being like just a normal luggage amongst its kind. Yeah,
2: yeah, really weird. And that's an evolution in the fiction too because originally Two Flowers says, and I think in the light, fantastic that he... Or, or, possibly even in the color of magic, that he bought it in one of those mysterious magic shops. Mm, there was like it only was a one weird artifact, and now it's like, oh, but we've got all these like sapient pearwood groves, so we just make them here. Although they do have a comment towards the end when you know it turns up with another luggage and some little luggages that he's like, I didn't know they could do that. I thought I thought it involved mm-hmm. carpenters making new ones, and I'm like, okay, well this luggage is still special. He's still special. Good uh, to know. I can
0: see it's the sort of thing that would upset a lot of people that there was multiple luggages after it was only promised one. I can see in the day and age of sort of message boards that have been filled with anger sort of thing that people got upset oh, with. Yeah.
2: I'm sure old fan Pratchett had things to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But it gives like it gives it an extra dimension because you, so you, you're used to the luggage being the most dangerous thing in the room and mm. then suddenly just a normal
0: guy. He didn't have enough story. No. he had a, it, It's a story and it's it's there but it's, it's a bit butterfly-like compared mm. to the rest of the stuff. Um, mm. And I know having something that doesn't really do dialogue, but I I would have quite happily had luggage lead the book. Mm. Um, Just talking about the cosmic start, I have this thing that whenever he goes to the cosmic starts or talks about the turtle or things like that, my eyes glaze over and I go, I'm so much more interested (laughs) in the the mundane and the sides and – I just kind of feel like he's always making a big statement with those.
1: No, I always have the same thing. As soon as he's like, "Great at you," and turned, and I was like, oh, "Like, man. I like you," but, yeah, <laughs> but so I just like just skim it fast. I to so. do.
0: Yeah. So if you're the opposite side, you're on. Aren't you on the turtle shell? <laughs> yeah. I.
2: I look. I get it, but I, I also, you know, it's that kind of Marvel Comics idea that any any of these books could be somebody's first one, and we yeah, want you to know yeah, where it's happening.
0: It'd be hard if it was your first one because yeah. there's so many callbacks. This, this is kind of like the. Uh, Victory lap for Rincewind. Let's bring back all his friends. Let's put them all together. Let's be Rincewind. Let's hit everything.
2: Yeah. Speaking
1: of Rincewind, he's on a desert island. Yeah. Trapped. Mm. And we don't find it out at the time, but he's sadly made himself a new wizard hat that says wizard in shells, which I found extremely
2: charming yeah, and upsetting. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. he's been through a lot. Because he has his adventures in the first two books and then he ends up back at the university. And then some time later, and it's never entirely clear how much time has passed, but it's. It's intimated that it's quite a bit. Mm. Then the events of sorcery happen yeah. and he ends up in the dungeon dimensions. Then he gets summoned by Eric and goes yeah. on a trip through hell and a bunch of places. And when he leaves hell, apparently he ends up on a desert island. This um, is where we find it,
0: him. It, things are looking up. Things are looking up at the end of that, uh, you know, just before he's no longer there.
1: He's about to get a whole bunch of potatoes. <laughs>
0: a whole <lot> of potatoes. <laughs> so many
1: potatoes.
0: Uh. Yeah, in so many ways of potatoes. It's so...
1: Mashed it's even so weird why why but then the potato joke keeps going through the whole book which yeah. I love yeah yeah <laughs>
2: strung that out I mean look I think the weird thing is that I I remembered this joke and I remembered that it was food related and mm. I was pretty sure it was potatoes when I was first reading it and then it was I was like oh yeah well look I like potatoes too but I'm like you Rincewind's that weird character who is presented as very non-sexual like in that he's you know he's a wizard so he's not supposed to be but also he's Rinse wind, so he's not inclined to be, mm. um, or at least he's not good at it. Um, and so, yeah, there's this weird, I thought there was just a weird choice to do it with him because I'm like, well.
1: It's funny because it's him. I
2: guess it is funny because it's. it's funny
1: because it's root vegetables. Mm. Yeah.
0: And, and if you were choosing one vegetable, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You'd choose potato. Yeah. Yeah, you would. Yeah. Yeah. It's only one. I so, would. Yeah. To- yeah. 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 If there's only one vegetable you could have the rest of your life
2: potato. Oh, that's a big question. Now I'm thinking about well, it. Well, the
0: joke wouldn't work with broccoli, would it? No. No. You can't no. No no, so no, really let's, mash broccoli. And, and, and in this world, how many green vegetables are there? Possibly not many. No. Possibly
2: potatoes. Is... Hmm? Well, we know they have cabbages. They have a, yeah, lot, of <laughs> a lot of cabbages. cabbages. Yeah. No, you
1: wouldn't be exactly craving cabbages, I don't no. think. No, no. You'd just rather have coconut surprise.
2: Meanwhile, back in ankh while that's going on, uh, there's a, an albatross Which has shown not up. shown up.
3: Well, he's yeah. not showing up.
2: <laughs> that was, I mean, look, I do enjoy that gag as a gag. I think Perry Pratchett watched Get Smart because the number of times he reminds me of it when we're doing yeah. these podcasts is a lot. But yeah, that was that was great, and particularly because it was Rid Cully mm. who's refusing to understand yeah. the it's not the thing that's happening. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah. Um,
1: veterinary Rid Cully meet up to discuss the non-albatross. It hasn't come from the Agation Empire. Yes, um, which I just realised sounds like Asian. Okay. All right, well, cool.
2: I I was always well. I guess I because because it's not because it's spelled with an e and an a rather than an i and an a. I always pronounced it agatian, ah. mm, and me I too. and I don't know I don't know what the derivation of that is. Because
1: I got Agitian. I've always said it like agatian. Yeah, in I think you're head, right so. as well. That yeah, and it sounds probably. like Asian because then you later have the oriental.
2: Yeah, um, mm. with Although au that's a, for gold. That's a pun.
1: Nicely science. But. Yeah,
2: it's a it's a good pun, but it's not necessarily. A great. No, It's not wonderful, but it's yeah. it's wonderful as wordplay. It is wonderful worldplay. I, I I agree. I said wordplay, and I meant wordplay, but it's also mm. wonderful worldplay, I <laughs> guess, in a way. Um, but, yeah.
1: But they want the great wizard to be sent, and they're trying to figure out who that is. Yeah. And so Cully goes back to the university, and then, to his credit, he tries to do the same covert language yeah. to the other <laughs>
2: wizards. <laughs> faculty of wizards. He, yeah, he yeah.
1: summons them all out of classroom three B. Yeah. Uh, where they've definitely been, and mm. tries to find the great wizard.
0: Yeah. It's a magnificent um, start. That, that scene in university is full of energy. The whole albatross, sort of Monty Python, I'm not here type great. thing is brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. librarian, ook. Um, so many good things happening there.
2: Since, I don't think I've mentioned this on the podcast, but somebody I saw on, I think it was maybe on one of the Terry Pratchett reddits, uh, had written that they had just realised that ook, is book with one letter yeah. missing. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, it never occurred to me. Yeah, um, but that's—I thought that was great. And they um, made
1: that really good joke about Rincewind being apes number two, and then repeat it in case you didn't get it. And I was like, why is that repeated? Then I was like, oh, ape shit. Right. Okay. Oh. So yeah, it took me a while.
2: It was harsh, uh, but yeah, they, they eventually figure out who it is because of the spelling used for Great Wizard, and they're like, well, where is he? We got, we don't know where he is, uh, and Ridcully's never met him, so they have to like explain to him mm. who he is and. And they're all a bit freaked out because they know no death follows him, like trouble. Mm. And it, like they're talking about the luggage, which I thought was cute. Um, and then they, but they do find him. And this is, you know, Hex previously appeared in one of the uh, first time in Soul Music, and now actually gets a bit more of a role where it does things. Mm. Is this yeah. the first time named as Hex. Uh, no, it's originally called Hex, uh. but is hardly in Soul Music. Yeah. Like they sort of just mention it in passing, but in this book. X is you know starting to become alive and this is you know an outlet on the disc world for terry's fascination with technology and computers yep. and it just just all the little descriptions of you know getting getting more i don't think they say it in this book uh but they talk about how you know there's all the little tubes with ants mm. in them and they say well, we're pretty sure we can get it to do this if we can just get some more bugs into the system like <laughs> just those sort of jokes i love them all it's so
0: good uh, was this when was this published but just lining up with the life of the internet, it's interesting thinking about the clacks and that and where it was because... It's 1994. Yeah. So we're
2: talking still the middle of where we're starting to see a transition from, you know, your news groups, where Tables was yeah. quite active on all-time yeah, yeah. Pratchett, through to uh, mailing lists and then, you know, then we'll start to see more internet stuff happening. Yep. People were still using Amigas and things
0: like that and yep. the world was still unloading onto personal computers being affordable. Yeah, oh, interesting.
2: Hex does some excellent yes, work. Thanks Excellent though. Excellent yeah. work, yes. Yeah. Uh, and calculates or finds uh, Rinswin. Basically, I love the way they explain it. That they, you know, a, a search spell is very simple, but we've got to do a lot of them. So we just ask Hex to do them and it just yeah. does them over and over again. And that, which is, you know, computer programming 101, you learn how to do search algorithms uh, yeah. and sorting algorithms. It's, yeah, it was cool. I liked that. What
1: about Ephibian algorithms? Yeah. <laughs>
2: That's <laughs> it. It very good, but uh, no. Um and he gets summoned to get someone back to the university. There's some brief business. There's a great sequence where Rincewind can't believe he's back in mm. at home and he just goes and does all the horrible things that, that <laughs> all the things he's does missed. to you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he gets all gets himself mugged, he eats like some terrible food, yeah. he haggles but, with somebody in the street. Can we talk about the
1: like, getting mugged though, because that was a delight because it was like he doesn't just get mugged, he gets mugged by like a teaching group oh. from the yeah, Thieves Camp.
2: Yeah. That was so good. Um mm-hmm. And look, there's there was just um, yeah, it was great. The the and I, I like that that sort of foreshadowed teach as well. It's like oh yeah, people mm. who teach other people are going to be a theme in this book. Um, yeah,
0: who possibly the best character in the book? Oh mm. yeah, he steals the he steals the show. Yeah. Justice
1: for teach. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. It's just kind
0: of when He doesn't like the unknown. You know, regardless of the fact that no one's gonna. Shut his digestion down and beat him up. He's still much happier with that. Than he,
2: yeah, he wants mm. a boring, normal. Yeah,
0: he doesn't want to leave his room life. ever again. I think that's in actually a line. Yeah, yeah he doesn't yeah. want
2: interesting times. There we go. Yeah. And then Riddley's so mean to him. Yeah, but that's what he saying, wants. He can't be a wizard anymore unless you do this horrible thing that mm. I want to make you do. And he's like, No, I don't want to do. Oh. Mm. Uh, and so yeah, they they send him off. Uh, to the Guardian Empire, but it's just the sort of way he resigns himself to it, and is like, mm. "Oh, yeah, I guess I got to do it." Uh, it was at-
1: preemptive karma. There was the whole thing about that, like he sort of, yeah, mm. yeah.
2: But I just it just seemed like to be quite a vicious streak in Red Kelly that you don't often yeah. see. I thought it was quite mean, but at least he he does follow through on bringing him back home. Like he does say, "We'll we'll bring you back after a while," uh, and and he follows through on that. So I thought, well, that's all right. That's okay, um, and so he goes. He he ends up there, um, exchange. And there's that nice. We haven't seen this for a while. Like Terry Pratt is very inconsistent about how he likes to talk about magic working on the Discworld. Mm. But by about this time in the books, he's really sort of established that they have to follow some kind of rules of physics in yeah. inverted commas. And so um, there's like a transposition of matter. They send him all the way over there. Then they bring back a barking dog, which is like you know a. a cannon in the shape of a dog and they don't have cannons in ain't more pork, apparently oh. they've got all kinds of complicated clockwork, but they haven't figured out how to make a big iron barrel with a with gunpowder yeah. at the end of it. Um, which I guess is kind of makes sense. Maybe. I don't know.
1: I guess it, it might be tying into the whole like Asian gunpowder thing. Like mm. to the whole theme of like, this is what that culture is like. And that's what this culture is like. Cause they have gunpowder and fireworks used for ancestor worship and warfare there. So they might be, he might've been trying to make that divide. Mm. Yeah. Again, or maybe that's reading too much into it, and that's possibly because I just went to an exhibition about gunpowder, mm.
2: so which we'll talk about more, I think, because <laughs> okay. of what else was at that exhibition mm. uh, when we get towards the end of the book? But I, uh, yeah, I thought it was, no. <laughs> uh, I thought it was quite weird because reading that, it kind of made me feel like, okay, so in this world, there's been no contact with the equivalent of China, mm. so nobody's brought gunpowder back to you know the equivalent of Europe, so they don't have it. But then there's a consistent theme in the Ganon Empire where, you know, the locals are like, oh, we've got these things called clocks. And like, yeah, we've got clocks. And they go, like, oh, we've got these little things like we make photos. And they go, like, yeah, we've got those, um, which were all presented as marvels. It's almost like he's totally undoing the idea of what Two Flowers Society was like presented in The Color of Magic, mm. where because he was there and he had all this sort of advanced technology and stuff, it it felt like his culture had something over the locals, which is now totally like kind of discarded when we actually go to visit them.
1: But isn't it because there's been smuggling possibly since then? Like mm. since Two Flower, perhaps he introduced the concept of some of these things and then there's been like a bit of a black market since then? Because they do talk about smuggling of like silks and things. Was, so I thought that could be an interim.
0: And they talk about people settling and... and oh, refugees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe it's highlighting the fact they just
2: don't listen. Mm. yeah. And actually that's something to think about too is that, uh, you know, there's been some I, – I saw some interesting news reports around, uh, uh, you know, post the death of Bob Hawke where people talking about his decision to accept a whole lot of refugees from China during the you know, Tiananmen Square protests. Which I and, did not know actually. Yeah, I didn't know about that because, you know, I was way too young to be, you know, being informed about that at the time. And I was being born like pretty much at that time. Yeah, so, so. – uh, and, I, and I thought, you know, is that where – Terry's formed his opinion of what it's like in China. Like, does he does he really remember that era? And that's what it's all about for him. And that's what he's trying to really yeah, talk about. This
0: is what three
2: years after, four, uh, four or five. Yeah, like so he would have been writing long. Long. No, it about so three. It's certainly, years. it's
0: certainly huge, and and certainly the mm. the awareness of China not being a good place might have jumped a mm. lot around that time. Obviously, yeah, yeah interesting.
1: And there is a. The Imperial Square is a big part of yeah. the plot as well. Mm, that's and true. He, they, he even has that line where Rincewind is told, don't be in the Imperial Square. And he's like, is that square with a capital S? Because I can hear that. Like, Yeah. So.
2: Mm. Yeah. And, and all the revolutionaries are very young. Mm. They're all student age or younger. So, yeah, I, I think that would have to have been a huge influence. Um, it did
1: feel more like China than. Hong Kong to me. like There are other like Asian, yeah. pan-Asian elements, but mm. like the grounding of it felt like China.
2: Uh, yeah, primarily to me felt like a very sort of old-fashioned view of, of China, yeah. but then yeah. with way too many Japanese things thrown in there yeah, yeah. that didn't yeah. make any sense for them to be there. No. <laughs> like it was just, <laughs> no, those are two different cultures. Uh, they would not like them. Who would also not like being mashed together, no. I feel. No. <laughs> uh, in general. So, yes. Um, but he arrives there uh, in a snowdrift. Smashing into a bunch of people, breaking up. Uh, well, smashing into some guards who are like escorting some prisoners,
1: and they're bailing because they're they're experimenting with the barking dog, like because it's on fire when it gets sent. Oh, that's right, because yeah.
2: that's why it's set up. They're going to
0: use it to blow up some peasants. And um, there's that magnificent unseen university scene as they're trying to work out the barking dog, <laughs> which is just like a flagpole scene for how stupid they all are. The smartest <laughs> men, just they're dealing with it. Is you know magnificent
2: who solves it in the end like is it Ponder, Ponder. Yeah. Ponder's yeah. looking at it going I think it might be dangerous yeah, yeah <laughs> he's that's like, just, I'm just going to put this shall any- I
0: pinch this out <laughs> oh why not it's just like it's just but just, then
2: even he at the end is like I do hope I haven't broken anything yeah. and are like Ponder what are you doing
0: um, yeah just like a, class, just a big room of Oxford University academics out of touch with the world is the way I see them you can just that absolute stereotype you get across culture and media
2: mm. yeah totally but this is you know, this begins Rincewin's reputation in the yeah. in the place because he seemed to have done a mighty magic, like he's mm. appeared out of nowhere on a you know they describe it as like an invisible dragon, which you know, that seems like a fair way to represent it. Um, but then he also magically transforms an old man into a warrior because who happens <laughs> to be there? It's Cohen the barbarian
3: mm.
2: who's let himself be captured or has been captured. I can't re- what was his excuse for that happening? Was he just trying sure. to find out what they were up to? Because
1: he, he's left his horde elsewhere.
0: Yeah, I yeah, haven't met the horde yet.
1: But yeah, so he's. Is he undercover or has he been legitimately captured and was just about to well, I don't
0: think he tells us the truth from memory.
2: Mm. Um, he's in disguise or he yeah. claims he's in disguise. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think he let himself be captured. Yeah.
1: Because he does beat up the guards very easily once he's
2: able to. Yeah. Uh, and, he, and he sort of reveals that he's there, you know, because the barbarianing, all the joy has gone out of barbarianing back where he's from. As it does. There's no like, you know, mythical creatures to kill anymore. Yep. Nobody really cares if you do it.
1: And he also has that line about hating political correctness. He's like, because he's got all the troll teeth. He's like, someone will tell you it's offensive to trolls to have a mouthful of troll teeth now.
2: Mm. It's like, oh yeah. There's also that. Yeah. Oh, he's an old man. This no, <laughs> is what we think of. What is old he? Man 100 or something? Yeah.
1: 105, I
2: think they yeah. say at the end. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah.
0: And think about retiring. Good it, run. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um. And we discover that he's he's now got a gang. Yeah. Uh, Formidable gang. Yeah, they're amazing. The Horde. The Silver Horde. <laughs> the Silver <laughs> Horde, yeah. Uh, you know, pun on uh, the actual, the other Genghis's um, Golden Horde. Yeah. The thing is, though, I find most of them interchangeable, which I think is why Teach is probably our favourite. Yeah. He, he's the only one who, he really stands out. I I mean, like the
1: swearing one. Yeah, but I you can't the really name. You yeah. can't remember the names, can you?
2: Yeah, they, they
0: do sort of go in together, you know, stereotypes of different points of aging yeah
2: um, Yeah. I mean yeah you could have sort them in your head into the one who's in hear. a wheelchair and can't hear anybody mm. who's basically Wendell Poons as a barbarian Yeah. Um, and then you've got the, yeah the one who likes to swear and the one who makes the really inappropriate jokes yeah or all references the all the time yeah and then the other ones yeah <laughs>
1: like, are there other ones yeah there's like six of them but
2: there's like two of them who don't I don't think have any particularly defining yeah. characteristics, mm. so it's it's. I found that very interesting. And then, but I think the reason there's six of them is that, particularly towards the end, they have that big discussion about all the barbarians who are dead now, mm. Mm. and you're left thinking, "Oh, this is this is really all there is. Yeah, like this is it. Like there's no more.
1: It's like a reunion. Yeah, like a last
2: hurrah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, they never talk about Nigel, but I think Nigel's like that throwback. To like trying to recapture something that did exist, and he's like the one young fan of mm. the old thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. So he's like a new thing. Yeah, he's like a. Oh, I was going to say he's like a neo-Nazi, but he's not like that mm. at all. But he, but he, but he is. He's neo barbarian. He's a neo barbarian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's much nicer than that. He doesn't. He doesn't believe in something awful because he he's sort of taken on the heroic aspects of it and doesn't want the rest of it, and that's quite difficult for him. It's like a second mm. wave barbarian. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Now we've got these old guard who are all that's left of that tradition, and they've decided there's no future in it at home. So, we've come to do a big theft here in in yeah. the Gadian Empire, mm. which is meant to be a long, 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 long way away.
0: So give yeah. them a long time to get there. Do they come yeah.
1: together, or do they like meet up along the way? Like, I, I would read the book <sighs> of them all on a boat, trying to just like three know. months on a boat.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Sharing out duties.
2: Slow boat to the Agadian Empire? Yeah. Is that mm. how it works?
1: I don't know. <laughs> Was it three men in a boat but six? Six oh, men
2: yeah. in a boat? Six men in a wheelchair in a boat. Yeah. That's a that's a big boat.
1: All played by the pythons. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that would work. Yeah.
2: Uh, it's interesting that they all want to work together too because you get the impression they have a mutual respect but that maybe they probably didn't originally like each other mm. and would fight with each other. It's the last choice. Yeah. So maybe they did come separately and met. Hmm.
0: Maybe we're thinking too much into their backstory when they don't have that much front story. Well,
2: I no, I think they have come together. I think I think it's pretty clear they've planned this yeah. together. Uh and and a lot of the planning has been teachers doing. Yeah. And I like that they really leave pretty vague the story of how they met Teach. Like they get you yeah. get a little bit of detail where it's like, Oh, and then he met him and then it was like they give a few kind of very vague details about it. And then that's it. We don't we don't hear the full story of that. And I'm quite happy for that to be a mystery. I just mm. I just love it. But
1: you're happy for it to be a mystery, but in my version, Teach puts a notice in the newspaper saying, I'm writing a book about barbarians and I'd like to meet some of you and hear your stories. They all meet in a tavern and they decide to go on an adventure and they leave that night. So uh-huh.
0: that's, that's my version. Could have actually been Teach's book. Yeah. You yeah. Teach is such an interesting character and, and they're the main driving point in many ways. And if, and if you think that Pratchett's trying to talk about Revolutions and different ways of doing things because obviously you're saying, we'll Barbarians are just going to storm the city and there's a lot of political intrigue and that's generated the them. Rincewind's just a plot device and a pretty blunt plot device and kind of a familiarity for us. Teach could have been the character and I wonder if this book was written later, he would have been the character because there was a sort of braveness of bringing in new lead characters but mm. this is back in the older age sort of you need the sand vines, you need the... Which is you need the rinse wind, you need those, you need the deaf, you need the characters to get you to go back into it. Mm.
3: No, I think that
1: could work really well, and then rinse wind would be peppered through it like
0: yeah. the luggages, yeah, or the luggage. No rinse wind. I like <laughs> rinse wind, but I'm just, I am just saying, yeah, I just think the teacher is such a really. There is a lot of really possibly has the best jokes, um, the best mental images, yeah. and and the best discussion on if there is a satire in here. And again, not sure it's being driven from him and him trying to teach to civilise the the horde. The mm. Silver Horde,
2: yeah.
1: yeah, and that does have my favourite like section of the book is them going through the market. But we'll get to that. So. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I think
2: we're, we're nearly there. I think you know because uh, Rincewind decides he doesn't want to hang around with barbarian invaders. As you do. Yeah, I
0: made that decision Thursday.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, he gets on a horse uh, and rides off. But he's already noticed that there's something about the people here that they are very eager to obey and uh, to. Uh, show great, yeah. I mean not beyond showing respect to people Like they're just completely subjugated
3: mm.
2: uh, in a way that he can't quite put his hands on and Cohen says to him, you know, oh they've got something, he's like, what do they whip them and Cohen's like, no they've got something much worse than whips here, which I don't know that Terry actually names at any no. point later
0: mm. in the book. And that's such a low sequence when he's learning the language and talking to characters and things, that's when it kind of goes, is this, what are you doing here? Are you generalizing? Are you stereotyping? Is it really racist? Mm. Um yeah, it's real I f- I find it was such it's interesting reviewing that early bit with a canon and arriving. so much energy early in the book mm. and it gets to this bit and it's kind of like, ooh, okay.
2: Mm. Mm, awkward. Yeah, not sure I feel about it. Yeah. Yeah, I had the same experience. Also, I was like the nerdy part of me was going, he doesn't speak their language. Like no. he he and Two Flowers spoke a different language that mm. they had in common. But then I'm like, oh, but maybe he did speak it and he just never thought to ask it or maybe Too far taught him while they were spending months and months having adventures together. Mm. So who knows? But I think it, it, it's not a big problem, but it did make me think. Well, yeah. But there's so many things that he's changed his mind about since those first books Yeah, and it's not a big problem.
1: And it is interesting like the ties to history as well. Like you have Lord... Okay, so I thought it was Lord Hong, but this is the thing I thought about earlier. Like it might be Lord Hong, which... In, like, Hong means red in, oh. in both Cantonese and Mandarin. So, mm. like, that would be, it would make sense to me because of the Red Army's ties to mm. him oh, and yeah. also just the mentions of red throughout. So, I think maybe.
0: Yeah, let's go that one. Makes it seem much more clever. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah. <'cause, laughs> let's hope that, that was intentional. Yeah, yeah we wouldn't have able there, to ask him.
1: I think there are little language things in there as well. Because, like, I'm not sure if this is common knowledge and I'm just repeating things that are already known. But, like, the idea of everyone outside the wall being ghosts that's like, if you're, I don't know if this is like a Hong Kong thing or if it's a Chinese wide thing. Um, foreigners or white foreigners specifically are called guai lul, mm. which literally translated means ghost person. Yeah. And, so that seemed to be that for me.
0: Yeah, it did hint at being a lot cleverer than it seemed. Yeah, there are the little. Ghost thing I thought was—I thought there was something. Yeah, Basically, just kind of curious about it's translated in so many languages. How that's going to come across the oh. when it's done in Swedish?
2: Look, yeah, just d- 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 the the translation of puns and and all those sort of yeah. references is—you <laughs> like, do a whole podcast about that. I, that would be incredible. I like the
1: title of importance of being earnest in other languages. Like, yeah, it's just, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I originally thought it was like a joke on Hong Kong because like General Hong. But I think it actually might be a joke on Red because that would make more sense.
0: So suggesting it's a joke on Hong Kong wanting you to leave China. Possibly. The fact that Hong wants to get rid of the the emperor and...
1: I didn't think into it as deeply as that. I thought it might be just like, oh, yeah, this is a an Asian-ish one, but that would be uh, an yeah. interesting interpretation I want,
0: too. I wonder if sometimes he gets a starting point and writes himself into a different position because that's an obvious starting point if you're mm. pitching the plot to your publisher. Well, Also, you're saying, I'm Terry Pratchett, I've written <laughs> 16, I'm doing number 17, make money off me. Mm. But you're going, this is, uh, this is you know, it's the counterweight um, continent, this is Hong Kong, with China, there'll be a bit of Japan in, so the Chinese don't get upset with me just in case I ever publish there. That's um, interesting. Yeah.
1: And there is also another point I wanted to bring up about it being the counterweight continent because there's that comment early on in the book about Rincewind talking about one day possibly he'll meet the other Rincewinds yeah. that has a much better time and he hopefully will meet him with a weapon who's on the other side of the seesaw. And then he goes to the counterweight continent. so that's Which
2: is the other end of the seesaw. Yeah, yeah. so like,
1: is he becoming the like – the, is the image of the great wizard the other – Wins wins. I was wondering if that was also. This book's
0: getting a lot deeper than it was when I read it.
2: And look, by the by the end of the book, you know he's being offered the role as like the the the, you know head wizard of the local university, and he doesn't want to take it because he's like that'll never work out. But it's because he contains multitudes,
1: and it's kind of like that's another thing I thought was interesting, and I think that's very deliberate as well.
2: And then of course, when we come back in the last continent, we'll see a very literal kind of version of that. (laughs) But let's let's not get ahead of ourselves there.
1: Yeah, so the language stuff was interesting and I think the yeah. ties to history is interesting because he, um, Lord Hong actually does at one point talk about how much he hates the complexity of language, which is, of course, something that Chairman Mao did was simplify
2: mm.
3: yeah.
1: simplify down the traditional form. right? So there is that connection as well. Not that he's literally that character. Like he's not an analogue for him. There's just like cherry-picked elements from history.
2: Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Well, I mean, yeah, it's very leaning heavily on that sort of, Isolationist period that both Japan and China went through, um, where it's like we don't want to have anything to do with the outside world. We don't want outsiders here. We don't want to trade with anyone. Um, And you know, it's a famous part of particularly of Japanese history. So that's uh, that. I it reminded me a lot of that. Mm. Um, But then also, one of the things that really struck me though when I was getting towards the end of the book is how few local characters really have any impact on the plot like really the main one is the villain like Hong is the main one and he wants to be a westerner (laughs) so you're like uh I don't mean that's not what's driving him ruining everything and he's not even really the problem like the problem is presented more as the way the society is functioned yeah um and that's yeah it's just oh and
1: the ultimate solution is to bring in white barbarians yeah. to fix it. Barbarians who've been sort of coached into being slightly more civilised. Yeah. It's like a weird Or a completely
0: station. random element of a wizard who's not a wizard. Yeah. So it's how does change happen? Does it happen slowly through institution or through chaos?
2: Yeah. And it certainly doesn't seem to happen through revolution because it's no. around this time that we first meet, you know, our first revolutionary, we don't know who she is at the time. Yep. Uh, who Butterfly. helps – yeah, who helps uh, – um, Rincewind escape from being captured one, after he gets off his horse because he finds that nobody questions him when he's riding around on a mm-hmm. horse. But then when he sits down and gets off a horse and he reads the pamphlet that Cohen gave him, he's yeah. given him a copy of what I did on my holidays, which I, which I do love as a joke, that yeah, that yeah. is the revolutionary pamphlet.
0: Yeah. It's a nice callback. And I think if, you, if you've read the previous ones, there's a payoff there. Yeah, And that's when he orders the food, isn't it? And the food's not like It, well, it is he, at home. Well, he gets yeah. captured and he escapes. classic, you know, yeah. what, you don't have chow mein here? What's wrong with you? Type situation of the uh, European traveller.
2: Yeah. He's yeah. like, I love Chinese food, but, uh, but this is yeah. not yeah. what this I'm not used to. It's not authentic. Yeah. It's not
1: authentic. It's authentic every, every
0: country in the world. Your, your pizza, you don't have pineapple on it? What's wrong with you?
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean you don't make chicken parmigiana in Italy?
0: <laughs> <laughs> You've got a place called Parma. Yeah. Surely that's where Parmigiana's from. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Uh. Okay. No. Oh, bless traveling. Uh, yeah. And it's it's interesting that, you know, when you have traveling in the witches books, like when they, um, in Witches Abroad, where they go to Genoa and they go through like this mm. whole series of traveling adventures, but they hit all these different little European cultures. Mm. Again, here, the contrast is we're going to the one place that's the equivalent of all of Asia <laughs> on the yeah. Discworld. And you're like, oh, really? Yeah. Um. But yeah, he, he escapes from the, the guards. He goes into the inn. He orders some food. He gets...
1: Um, Told we don't serve rebels here and mm. with a bit of a wink and a nudge and looking at his notepad. And
0: a fortune cookie. Good scene. Mm. Um, Yeah, that is a good scene. It's such an antidote to the first scene of, you know, foreignness and generalisation. That one is really nicely written and also the introduction of the revolutionaries. There's some tension Mm. in it, which is, I really enjoyed it.
2: Yeah, yeah. And then he runs away from them as well, yeah. <laughs> which, which I really like. It's liked. unusual.
0: He hasn't done that much. Um,
2: <laughs> yeah. No, but he does it uh, again. You know, I love that. How many, how many times he does this in this book. Yep. He's just like relentlessly. No, I don't want to be part of your adventures. I'm out of here. That's his defining characteristic. And he's really embracing it. Yep. And yep. he's just like, I'm gone. I'm out. And he does it so many times. Uh, and I like it that when you just, when you think he's safe, he's still like, nope, no one be part of your evolution. I'm, revolution. I'm yep. out of here.
0: Yep. I <laughs> don't know where I'm going, but I'm going to run.
2: Uh, and then, you know, he gets recaptured by them after getting into a bunch of trouble uh, and running into a bunch of stereotypes, I suppose, again. Although mostly he runs into the local version of Cut Me Own Throat Dibbler. Yeah. yeah. Disembowel yeah. myself honourably. Mm. Mm, yeah. And he's in that,
1: the square, just like, the, yeah, yeah, the real one.
0: Another character forgotten about was Dibbler, so it was good to remember those sausages. Yes. And, and the bunning sausage of Discworld.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's not the bunning sausage disc world. Bunning sausages are good.
0: No.
2: They're, they're cheap. Not. But they're not. Than... Oh, there's no meat in those sausages. The thing about Dibbler, and this I, and I find him fascinating, is that he still works because of the different con man kind of mm. sneaky or like and he's not really a con man, he's more sort of just that dodgy businessman. He's Arthur Daly, basically. Mm. And everyone can recognise that because of the different things that he does. Like if they have, if he ever wrote a book about the internet coming to um the disc world which he kind of does with the clax mm. you know dibbler would be the one who might figure out uh, how to how spam would work, <laughs> but Did, he'd be selling something legit, you know, like or, or something at least that you could actually buy.
0: And Dibbler gets a bigger and bigger role, doesn't he? Because there's well, there's those characters that come back again and again, and you love like I I don't think there's ever a Guild of Thieves book. I might be wrong.
2: Well, Pyramids is kind of the closest to you. Yeah, do. oh no, that's sorry, more Assassin's, Assassin's Guild. Yeah. So there's yeah. not really a thieves no, guild. Book, and,
0: no, and 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 the librarian and all all the other unsane. So there's ones that just kind of
2: rotate through, and you see, yeah. Um, I completely forgot about Dev. He just he has those books where there's a niche for him, like mm. moving pictures, where he becomes the movie producer. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know the soul music, where he becomes the music promoter, and you know those those things where he pops up in like there's a niche for me mm. to fill. Uh, and then in the other books, he's sort of just hanging around, just and coming around, dodgy messages. Yeah. But, but that's the thing. Like now, we don't have that kind of dodgy sausage in a bun kind of business. Bunnies. I mean, yeah, Bunnings, sure, but that's like <laughs> just sausages you buy from the supermarket. There's nothing yeah. sus about it that. It depends it's just- on oh, who's on. doing on.
0: Is- If you lost me at sausages, you buy at the supermarket, nothing sus in them. There's just
2: no sausage oh, in no, them. No, look, They're I, cardboard. I think now though, you know, now we're in an age of food trucks, like when there's a group of people and they need yeah. to eat, that's what's going to show up, you know, like the taco truck yeah. or, or beatbox burger is going to be there. Beatbox I'd love to correct. see
0: the sausage in the bun food truck. Just someone go completely retro? Ah, oh, you be know, when good. you see the Portuguese chicken truck and your taco and your the, the hamburger one that's franchised everywhere, and this it's, it's, we're just sausages and tip top bread. I don't even know if we get tip top bread anymore. So yeah, they my could age find my a way to yeah.
1: like, make it look like it. Just, go,
2: just yeah, yeah. I mean, people would expect it to Poster be. Poster of you Lisa can... McCune. <laughs> you know what you do, though, is you get sponsored by Bunnings.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's oh, the MasterChef I... Challenge, sausage in a bun. Ah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> You've just got... I don't you know, that to I, um, it can't
1: be too fancy. You lose points. But...
0: MasterChefs, the Australian version, as everyone knows, has been sold around the world. And I was watching it in Italy last week <laughs> in Italian, and they were doing a team challenge. It's the same show. You don't need to see the dialogue. The same things
2: are happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except they're cooking pasta, which I thought was... A bit obvious. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, never mind. Um, (laughs) But look, uh, after meeting Dibla, he gets recaptured by the rebels uh, and they force him basically to use his great wizard powers, inverted commas, because, you know, and, and interestingly... Butterfly. Is it Pretty Butterfly? That's her name, is it? It's something
1: like that. It's but something I quite like No, it
2: is because I abbreviate it to PB, which I'm always like, oh, it's peanut butter, but also it's Princess Bubblegum from Adventure Time. And Peppermint Butler. And Peppermint Butler. It's just so many characters have those initials. It's great. But uh, she sees through him immediately, yep. which I kind of loved. She's like, you are the person but also you are not the person. Like mm. I, you're the correct human being, but you do not, like you're clearly a fraud. But she's very harsh in that she's like, you. she starts off, you know, she never I think gives him a break and says like, you didn't ask for this because that's that's the position that he's in. Mm. You know, yes, you know, a, as he's reminded when he goes through the book, he said a lot of boasty things to impress two flowers so that he could yep. keep getting gold rhino off him. But also, you know, he was clearly not capable of those things.
1: But like, and this is—I guess—we're jumping a bit ahead because when it is revealed that she is two flowers' daughter, mm. maybe that's some of her resentment is coming from that. Because she's read the thing and she's sort of seen what Rincewind was like in a way that mm. the other people haven't. So she's like, "Oh, you were kind of like tricking my dad, so I don't like you for that."
2: Yeah,
0: she's such a good character. So underdone.
2: Yeah, she doesn't. There's really get kind to do of much.
0: a good book in here which has got a whole lot of flobby other stuff. And it's interesting talking about those allusions to Hung and what you were saying, Liz, and mm. there's something. The book's a lot better than it, it could be, should be. The foundation be. is there. There's something there. There's something and he's gone, oh, I need to put this bit, I need to put this bit, I need to put this bit, and it's not. Yeah. It's almost like possibly badly edited. Yeah, I it feel it's like thing. another round of round of Yeah. Draft. Well, well, there's that thing mm. with authors when you, you get so successful um, that you – you, the editor's not listened to anymore.
1: Who's the one who won't let her work be edited?
2: Was it
0: Rowling?
1: No, it's no. it's one of <laughs> it's those just, like
2: she just wrote some really long books. There. It's oh, someone like no Daniel Steele edited, but not but Daniel
1: Steele, Like one of those sort of oh, someone just big named. Yeah, yeah,
0: but you you get a point of power Anne Rice. Oh, mm. Anne. <laughs> surprising. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I think it was Anne Rice. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. If you don't have a relationship with the editor from the start, and they keep going back, they just I reckon they just proof it and send it back. Yeah. And I think this one there was there's something yeah. interesting that someone would challenge and
2: I think now they would. I think I I don't know that that happened with this book. Yeah. I, I think the editor was on the same page about being okay with the kind of jokes and stuff that's in yeah. here and and prioritizing those because I think for me what, what really puts it off the rails is there's not a consistent and clear idea of what the culture of the Agadian empire yeah. is. Like if it was based on a particular asian culture or if it was its own separate thing that had a lot of unique points to it Mm. instead of, I just want to get as many weird fantasy versions of, Asian things in here, which is what it feels like. Yeah, it's like when you
1: go to an Asian restaurant and you're like, what is this decor and what is this food? Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. it just feels weird because it's like, okay, you're running through paper walls and mm. you're interrupting someone painting on crockery and you're oh, getting the squashed by... Yeah, there's all the poetry and yeah. you're getting squashed by a sumo or something. It's basically... And it's primarily China and Japan. And mm. if you are at all culturally aware <laughs> of yeah. the difference between those cultures, it's just... Glaring not until you merge. um it, yeah, yeah, I wonder if that's and, and there's no there's no story reference and, I, and and look, you know it is fantasy and it, and and a previous uh commenter and I didn't necessarily agree with all of the things that they said, uh responding to our discussion about the kind of previous version of this, which was the idea of clatch and the this that clatch is this sort of mm. universal you know, foreign place, mm. which effectively is all of not just the Middle East but also all of yeah. Africa. Mm-hmm. Um But then you also find out that Clutch is a particular country and I think he sort of revised that later on to go, oh, that's a bit awful, let's mm. make it a bit more specific. That it is a fantasy and you do have to allow for the fact that, okay, you can invent things. But the problem is that that's not how he deals with the European parts of the disclosure. Yeah, and, mm.
0: and and if you get On the idea that satire was coming in more than parody by this stage, and this, and I think if you look at the life of the books, satire certainly comes in a yeah. lot more. And this might be the beginning of that. As a satire, you cannot satire to a general opinion, if that makes sense. I think you need to be specific, but I also think a general opinion of those countries is trying to give distance from being political. If it just was China and in that time, at four years after Tiananmen Square, it would have been a political book and selling a fantasy comedy as a political book. Doesn't sound like a great marketing idea. I don't know. I don't work in bookselling but, yeah, mm. it would some distance. There's <laughs> a really nice thing, so is The test where you, you, to become is it – Yeah, like the sanitation Uh, sanitation work, and you have to write a poem and things. I love that. I thought that was brilliant. And Uh, the guy
1: that cheated by like pre-writing a poem about wind
2: on his leg. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, that was great. And that kind of stuff. That that I feel like we needed more of that because that was like, oh, here's what the culture of this place is. Here's what's
0: here's where it's all gone wrong. And Hmm, it's celebrating it as well. It's celebrating the culture, not dismissing the culture, and things like the gentle pokes about, oh, you don't have that food, which is our perception great Mm. but then the language things and yeah it's it's when when you're laughing with and when you're laughing at and when you're totally ignorant what you're laughing at is Mm.
2: the question there there's three questions yeah yeah and i feel like if we'd had a clearer idea because i think what would solve a lot of the discomfort that the book brings with it now is if we'd had just a really clear idea of the culture of the place that was told through the story Mm. rather than a bunch of you know weird jokes. Uh, because that also would have helped with the fact that, you know, they make all these references, they've got something worse than whips here but they never really explain how that culture mm. evolved or where it comes from or what it really yep. means. It never goes very deeply into that. And no. I think that was, that felt to me like a thing that was missing at the heart of the book. Yeah.
1: Mm. Just vaguely implied mental subjugation for a reason.
2: because yep. Because it had been that way for a long time. But yeah. I'm like, yeah, but that doesn't tell me anything about the culture there's plenty of things in you know in our culture that have been that way for a long time but mm. we it, it's more interesting to look back at why are they there and how did they get there and mm. what harm are they doing to us whereas this book doesn't ask at least two of those questions
0: and you're right he does put the lens on europe and and oh. through looking at Moor park and things like that so it's kind of
2: yeah it's interesting mm. Well, anyway, while he's being forced to do this rescue mission that he will ultimately be successful in due to yet another coincidence, um, the coincidence is there because the Silver Horde are enacting their plan of sneaking into the place. God bless them. Um, and sneaking in through, which I thought it was a sewer system, but it seems that it's more just like an aqueduct kind of system.
1: They do originally scope it out by like handing over the papers that said, sorry, I'm like a wandering madman, I don't have papers. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Was great. That was a nice touch. That was a very funny gag. Yeah. Um, and this is where you know teacher's influence is coming to the fore because mm. they've been through the marketplace to get to the through the square, mm. um, which was it was a great sequence where he's teaching the he's trying to civilise them. Yeah, it actually weirdly reminded me. I went to Japan for the first time recently, and I went to Nara, which is one of the locations of one of the old imperial palaces mm. there. And we were in uh, in the big. There's a massive Buddhist temple there, um, and we were there just hanging around and there were lots of groups of school kids and they were being asked to go up to tourists and talk to them in English. And this felt kind of like that where like oh, their wow. teachers like going, okay, go and have this interaction, like go and say, cause, cause remembering that the barbarians are also learning to speak the language as well as mm. everything else. So they're going to interact with these people and just be nice to them and be friendly. And you're like, oh, that was. I just thought it was really cute that I was remembering something that happened with like you know eight year old school kids as <laughs> what was happening with these ninety year old barbarians.
1: Give me all your one apple, and I will give you a, a money. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so good.
0: And there's nothing. There's nothing more confronting than going to a market in another yep. country, regardless of be Asia or Europe, or wherever it's it's mm. where you're putting all your considerably lack of language skills on display, as well as everything
1: but it is really like fun or strange experience as a white appearing cantonese speaker mm. to go to a hong kong market and see the change the the, the small change when you suddenly start speaking in fluent cantonese mm. yeah there is a change of tack and it is actually easier to negotiate the price down but yeah not mm. that i do tons of haggling it's just it's already inflated
2: yeah
0: i was in a market in nanjing um a couple of years ago and I saw a group of prawns trying to escape, totally unrelated, I just wanted to bring it up because there's nothing funnier than watching a line of prawns, all sad, are prawns who got out of their bucket and were running down the street, uh, little guys just trying to get,
2: they possibly lived, I don't think
1: they did. Oh, wow. That sounds yeah. like exactly something that would be in this book. <laughs>
2: yes, yeah. it does. Well, it's like, it's like there's that pile of tortoises and there's one like looking sadly at yeah, them going, yeah. you, you think you've got to have a bad day. That was <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. Are you allowed to eat tortoises on the disc? Um, well, tortoises maybe, but not turtles. Okay, yeah, dif- that's right. Uh, and what's the difference? T- uh, turtles, uh, well, I I don't know that this is a scientific difference, but turtles have flippers and tortoises have feet is my understanding. So turtles are aquatic and tortoises are only semi-aquatic. I don't aquatic. know. Either. Just testing, testing. Seals and sea lions. Seals and sea lions? Yeah. Oh, I,
1: one's a singer. Um,
2: no. <laughs> I, I thought a sea lion was like was a really big kind no, of seal. No, no, one's got ears and one hasn't. Okay. Oh. Didn't there know you go. That. There you go. This is really going off underwater? topic. This is on the next one. No, no, this is good though. This Weird world contrarian. of animals. Yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> I, these <laughs> things stress me that I, I, I learn them and I just go, so no, and then, so, and then they go, what's a terrapin? I'm like, I don't know. It's the one no one likes. It, it's oh, I don't care.
2: Hush. It's yeah. like a freshwater tur- I don't know, actually. I, I'm, I'm going. That's going in the show notes. Yeah. I will explain the difference between a turtle, a tortoise, Seal and a Seal and sea
0: lion is the one. Uh, seals don't have ears. Sea lions have visible ears. Oh, okay. Hmm. There we go. Is it because oh. their Thanks, head people. is sealed? Oh, we've practiced that one for months. <laughs> I'm glad we landed it.
1: <laughs> well, no, I always have to come up with a way to remember the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wondered so why it was in the that- script. It makes sense now. Yeah. Great. <laughs> that's
2: good. That's good. Uh, Yeah, the sequence of them going through the market is great. And then they get into the palace. There's that weird bit where there's that um, official who's like walking around the the sacred, like it's like Mm. a Zen garden because it's all like well raked. Again, a Japanese thing in a largely Chinese sort of place, weird. Um, But he's listening to them as they walk underground and he can hear the noises, but he can't understand what they're saying Mm. because they're speaking their own language. Uh, and he's like, are they ghosts? What's happening? And then he bangs his head on something and falls over because he's not looking where he's going. I thought that was quite funny, but also weird that that character never comes back. And you're like, that was a strange vignette. And I think there's a lot of little bits in that where he's put something in, and if he'd reused some of those characters and Mm. sort of built up the culture through that, it would have been better well, than like all the these five, sons. five
1: families thing. I didn't really think yeah. there was much point to that. Like I was like, Oh, this is gonna be a big thing with the five families, like the McSweeneys and the I've forgotten all the other ones because I just thought that was funny. But um yeah. it's not real they have a few meetings and that's it.
2: It's so underdone and yeah. And, yeah. and why and And I thought you know, I I I kinda remembered that they he doesn't really do anything with it, but I, I thought maybe the McSweeneys thing would be a way to talk about how the empire was unified and you know what the influences were and how it worked but really it's just to repeatedly have the joke of throwing a celtic name in with a bunch of you know chinese sounding names um yeah
1: yeah i thought that was going to be more of a thing like maybe there would be like a bit of a backstabbing thing or one of the families would come around or like but yeah it was kind of just a back like a a faint backdrop mm. to show that there's usually struggles when the emperor dies um Mm. Yeah, but I don't think that really paid off, and I was a bit disappointed in that plot-wise.
2: Yeah, and they very vaguely Mm. show how awful the emperor is. Yeah, Mm. Um, when you meet him, and he's an old, crazy, old, horrible man. He's Joffrey
1: Mm. if he lived for longer.
2: Yeah, Mm. yeah, Uh, and we do meet him mainly because Rincewind manages to explode the wall just by being there at the time when the bomb that Teach has planted in the wall goes off uh, and explodes it as a distraction, so that. All the guards go and check that out, yep. and they can get into the throne room. Um, they do get into the throne room in the palace. The the, the silver horde. Uh, then the sequence of events is a bit muddied in my mind because yeah. it, it made sense in one way, and then I'm like, no, it can't have happened in that mm. order because Rinswing gets taken before the emperor, mm. and that has to happen before the horde go in and find him dead because mm. they think they're going to kill him but I think they're still sneaking around in their eunuch disguises at Unique, that point. Just,
1: yep, that's right. Just one of me.
2: <laughs> 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 that's, 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 yeah, and they're so put out when they find out what they've been dressed yeah. as. And you're like, you're barbarians, why do you care? Like, I, they have this weird... I like how they muddled their sense of honour is where they're like, no, no, we'll stab people ourselves and we don't send other people to do mm. it for us but we also won't lie and pretend that we're somebody else. And we're like, why not? That's a great tactic. Like, yeah. they talk about the, how their height of deception is that they invite someone around for dinner and wait until they get really drunk and full of bread and then they kill them. <laughs> and you're like, okay, well, that's a good tactic, I guess. Um, mm. But, yeah, so, uh, so the, the Emperor, we meet the Emperor, Rinswin meets the Emperor, and the Emperor is clearly the most evil bastard. Uh, and then he gets put in the prison uh, along with a bunch of the revolutionaries who have also been captured whilst yep. trying to break in.
1: And But one of them's missing. Um, we haven't really talked about. Oh, yeah. Herb.
2: Herb one one fire herb. Yeah. And I you know, I like how he sort of reuses that idea of, you know, two flower and then Mm. two flower talks about his boss in the color of magic whose name is Nine Turning Mirrors. Yep. And then there are some names like that, but then he just sort of forgets about it for like a whole bunch of characters in this. And I'm like, but that were they were cool. Like that Mm. gave it a unique identity. That, a unique identity, a, yeah. <laughs> um, well, you know, there were. It wasn't a very ballsy decision to, oh. to, to just forget about it. Uh, but yeah, I really liked those names, and I was sad that there wasn't more of them. Uh. Uh, although there's a, there's a couple of good jokes that involve them, like the two privates who um, find Rincewind later on in the book. But yeah, they they all get put together, and yeah, this is we have skipped over that because there is some dissent among the ranks in the rebellion. Because
1: what's happening is the rebellion is being, we know by this point that the rebellion is actually being orchestrated by Lord Hong who wants to mm. cause a big revolution, but the rebels are a bit too polite. All they want to do is posters mm. that are a bit sort of like, Oh, bit of inconvenience for the emperor, please, when he's doing a bad thing. Mm. And really what he wants is a big sort of flaming mess. Yep. And so they're all kind of being told about the chapters in other towns, but really are there chapters in other towns or is it just this small group? Mm. And there's, Herb's kind of like the thing that's stoking these fires, and then suddenly he's not there.
2: And it's a weird kind of mashup because there's a lot of references to revolutionary stuff. Like there's jokes that reference, you know, the Russian Revolution and the French Revolution not so much the American sort of War of Independence, but uh, which I would have thought would be in their mix as well.
1: They don't even have like the, I think it's Mooncakes. Like there was like that's part of the Mid-Autumn Festival it was like messages were baked into Mooncakes and that's part, why it's part of the festival. Oh, right. Which would, But I mean, maybe that's just digging too deep. No. But also because there isn't actually a rebellion
2: happening. Yeah. So. Because it seemed like, because it, it's a weird kind of point where it's not the idea that you know the people who lead these revolutions become corrupted and and then screw over everybody like it's not about stalin you know mm. but it's more about how somebody can use people's desire to do something good and twist it and it and i i think again that's where the message of what he's trying to say is mm. not quite clear it's not a very clear satire uh, and it and most of the fire in the message goes to rincewind telling them that they're idiots for yeah, yeah. like doing it the way they are um and that they expect someone else to come and solve their problems, which is kind of like him rallying against the trope that he is there to represent in a way. Um, And that all does come to a head in the dungeon where very conveniently the guards are all dead and, again, it looks like Rincewind is, well, it's easy to, if you think he's got magic powers, assume that that's something to do with him. And Mm. who's
1: in the next cell?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is where we meet two flowers? Yeah. yeah, I was really happy to see him, but I I also was really disappointed with him in this book because he really feels very little like the character that we know, and yeah. he's in it so little. He's just there
1: to be butterfly's dad. Yeah, like mm. just to make that connection to legitimise her
2: a bit more.
0: That's it right. is like a greatest hit, bringing him back.
2: Mm. I would have, yeah, I don't know. I would have, I would like him to be a more proactive part of the plot mainly yeah. because then there would have been more local people involved. But yeah. He's also
1: like. His whole thing is kind of that he's bumbling and optimistic and so I think I'd have liked to see him more but I also don't feel that he as a character would have had much to do mm. with the machinations of it all because he's no, a bit too innocent. Him. Like his That's why they have that comment about his wife must have been like a super intelligent sort of manager of him because like, they have that thing about, oh, we'll send him off to do a task while we go around to do the the map thing which i thought again was a bit underdone but yeah
2: yeah and also he was like what am i trying to say she's been fridged you know he gets violent towards the end of the mm. book he wants to fight lord hong he wants to do something he wants to support his daughter's revolution that's mm. because his wife has died yeah and also there's that thing where he that he has a conversation with Rincewind, who says he never mentioned you had a family and uh he just sort of shrugs it off, and it's like, "Well, you never really asked," or whatever he says. Well, he said
1: he said it lots of times.
2: He said it lots of times, but he didn't really answer. But there's language barriers. But then you're like, "Why were you on holiday by yourself?" Yeah, yeah. Like that's a bit of a weird thing to do to go across the other side of the world and by yourself and leave your, your wife. Quite small. Well,
1: or never not even born. I think they yeah. probably
2: weren't even born because the amount of time that's meant to have passed, it seems like it's at least twenty years, and none yeah, yeah. of those kids are twenty years old. So it's a long time.
0: It's an interesting choice to come back because. Obviously, he has a part to play at the end of sorts, but it's not a part that's irreplaceable. No, and he though you know the daughters didn't have to be daughters; mm. they mm. could have just been characters.
2: And yeah, so I guess i i was I was really happy to see him because I love the character a lot, but also I was a bit sad because I was like, "We, well, you're, you're kind of not really here." <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But while that's going on, this is when the the silver horde get into the emperor's bedroom and they're like yeah we'll kill him Uh, and he's already dead because this is all part of Lord Hong's plan for the rebels to break out and for it to appear that they have assassinated the emperor which is not how things are supposed to go it's supposed to be one of the you know leaders of the noble families and this gives him I mean what can we detail what his actual plan is because I kind of get it but it's a bit for someone who's presented as being so ultra hyper competent and he is one of those hyper competent Mm. Villains, particularly at the start of the book. By the end of the book, he's just a rambly mess. It is a bit confused.
1: Figure out what he wanted. Because I know he wanted Ankh Morpork somehow, but like, how did this – He go and
0: invade, didn't he? Didn't he want to go and take Ankh Morpork? So out he had to be yeah.
1: emperor to do that. Yeah. Couldn't he have Um, just like twisted one of the bumbling other family lords to do it? Because it's much better to be the the vizier than the
2: emperor. Well, I think he wanted the chaos so that he had a mandate to make much more sweeping changes. Like I think Mm. the idea was that it wouldn't just be another war between the five families and one of them wins and becomes the new emperor and things carry on much the same as before. It would have been there is great dissent in our, you know, population. The whole social structure of our empire has been you know, threatened. So we have to make a whole bunch of big changes, one of which is we're going to make a big army and we can go. Like it would have given him, this is my impression was that he felt he needed that to make changes to, um do the things he wanted to do. It's like when they use a
1: terror event to increase surveillance on individual citizens that kind mm. of thing.
2: Yeah. So in in some ways it you know that kind of commentary and I think it's not clear because it wasn't a satire of what we would now consider it to be a satire. Yeah. Of, but I think there is that in there. I think that's a definite part of it. Yeah. So I, yeah, but it gets more muddled as it goes on because as as the book goes on and his plans go off the rails, he becomes less and less competent he just gets mm. angry and insistent that people do what he says
1: but he's a chess player as well he should be thinking moves ahead and he should also have contingency plans like there's a whole thing about him being a chess player so it doesn't quite make sense that he's just evolves mm. very- mm.
2: I guess the, the the theory or the maybe the theme of the book that's trying to put that in there is that chaos is what throws him off yeah because so there's
0: rinse wind flou- throwing him off all that planning to get him there all the albatross he didn't send all those sort of things was that Mm. Actually, having Rince there completely destroyed his ability to play chess.
1: Which echoes yeah. the board game at the beginning, which is the meticulous winning yeah. games versus Lady Luck. Yeah. I guess so.
2: That's. Mm. I mean, the other thing that really throws his plans off is he has no idea that Genghis Cohen and the Silver Horde yep. are here at all. And then they've snuck into the palace, which is not what barbarian invaders do anyway. No. So, not only are they there, they're not acting like themselves and taken over. And, and that's, their, yeah. that's their theft. They don't want yeah. to steal money. They want to steal the whole empire because Cohen, Cohen's like, this is my retirement plan. Yep. <laughs> like I, I want to have a whole empire so I can just sort of sit on a throne and, and you're like, that's weird, but okay. But they sure. do have that
1: delightful conversation of like, oh, we'll just take the rubies and stuff and go. And then, yeah. But then he's like, oh, it's kind of like stealing from ourselves, isn't it? Like,
2: yeah. 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 And, and the tax
1: guy is like, oh, but these
2: vases are worth a lot of money. Oh, I love that tax guy. <laughs> when he's like, oh, I could be your tax guy. And he's he's already doing all the calculations in his head going, oh, yeah, no, like, you know, yep. Uh, those those things would be reasonable expenses for a barbarian, like all of the, you know, the drinking and the yeah. eating. And,
1: uh. <laughs> right off one loincloth a year. <laughs> yeah.
2: It was great. I, I really like that. Having been through a similar experience with an arts accountant, like figuring out what, what is appropriate. Uh, I'm like, mm, yep. I can identify with this. The Age just published a tax calculator
0: for um, different – Yeah, they didn't have the arts. Didn't have barbarians oh, either. I'm
2: sure. Terrible oversight. Yeah. yeah. Who do they think reads The Age? Yeah. <laughs> like it's barbarians and artists. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> it really is. Um, yeah. Oh, weird. Uh, but this is where sort of we get towards the the sort of the the last part of the book yeah. really is that this is where everybody's plans have been put into motion. Some of them have worked better than others. <laughs> Uh, but what the, I kind of really liked, well, well, I don't know. I don't know if I liked it. I was in kind of two minds about the whole idea where Cohen and the Silver Horde realise that this this isn't going to count. Like people aren't mm. going to accept us because we haven't climbed to the top of this empire on a mountain of skulls and blood. Yep. Mm. Um, and we need to make that happen and Lord Hong is like, you're ruining all my plans, we'll destroy you. And he tries to rally all the troops.
1: He also tries to poison them and that doesn't work
2: very yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, that was great. <laughs> the Poison. Although, again, like that was him seemingly going, like it was way not subtle enough for him. Mm. And I think that was the first bit in the book where I'm like, what happened to the Lord Hong at the start? Who yeah. like is like making a sword and like he is, sees the reflection of an assassin in the messenger's eyes. And like that's just the cool stuff. Like that yeah. was amazing. And then he just goes off his nut as soon as things are unraveled. And I'm like, that's not what I expected from this character. I'm a bit disappointed. I did not really
0: unraveled that much at this stage. It's yeah. unraveling, but mm. it's not for someone who's meant to be in control and plotting to be like that.
1: It's kind of like how you make a sword by folding the metal a bunch of times and it's like it's unfolding the other way. <laughs>
2: yeah. I don't, now I'm imagining what happens if you unfold? Now I'm imagining a sword that unfolds. Like, oh, that would be cool. It would yeah. just be like a
1: really sharp it turns like, into turns
2: into alfoil.
0: That's what they make alfoil rolls out of
2: old swords, <laughs> and you know.
0: <laughs> it's just that. like yeah. how
1: they used to like make paper out of mummies.
0: Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> it's exactly <laughs> what they do. Yeah. Well, Have you to find out. a print on your uh, alfoil? No. no it's it's old, a sword. Old, Some old swords. Yeah. Yeah. Is
2: that, that why they're cursed? Yeah. It explains how I cut myself on them all the time. Yeah, it's exactly that. And why when
1: you throw it into a lake, a lady throws it back?
2: What, a roll of alfoil? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I yeah. That's but, white foil. Mm, oh well, yeah. True, mm. true. Um, yeah, um, and that's the end of
1: the
0: episode now. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> we just leave it there. With Hung unraveling, uh, yeah, and no.
1: you, yeah, and you can't unfold swords. Don't worry, I understand how you but make there, a sword.
0: There is that whole thing about revolutions and how the Cana continent does revolutions a certain way. It's very ordered and it's planned, and Hong's uh, trying to do things differently, and then the the hoarder doing the the other way of a revolution, which is just attack everyone and take over, though they're kind of not doing it. And maybe that chaos has thrown him off. Or maybe I'm just trying to make up for his lack of character at the end.
2: Yeah, he does seem like a different person. Yeah. Um, like he seems a bit more like the guy from Going Postal, Richard yeah. Guilt. He seems like, because mm. Richard Gilt's a bit like that, where he's he's used he's so used to everything going his own way that yep. as soon as it doesn't he just gets a bit irrational and, and crazy. Yeah. Whereas Lord Hong is presented as someone who would never... Be in that position because he's always planning against people who are trying to kill him anyway. So yeah. it's
1: and he would like a person like that would have an escape hatch in your plan for if it went wrong. Like you would be like, "Oh well, okay, I'll buy my time and I'll do another plan." Like, yeah, yeah, because it doesn't have to be now. There's not like no. that now and if is you've the been moment. plotting
2: that long. Mm. So but this is this is where lots of things start happening yep. uh, in rapid succession. Uh, Hong challenges the Silver Horde and he's like, "Like, we'll we'll fight you mm-hmm. uh, and we'll fight on the plane outside. That's where yep. we always fight. Uh, we'll do it tomorrow." We'll see you then. And the sword are like, oh, there's like six of us, um, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, or seven, uh, and there's a lot of you. Uh And Rincewind has his idea, and I actually quite likes this because you know they, it talks about how he's not very good with weapons, at mm. least not normal ones. And he's got an idea, and he's like, okay, I've got an idea, and he he goes out and accidentally, in inverted commas, meets. Um, Dibla again, the local Dibla. I wasn't quite sure how to pronounce his I mean, version of Dibbler the name. Dibla. Yeah. And says, Yeah, no, look, I shouldn't be telling you this, but you know, there's going to be like a whole horde of invisible ghosts that are going to yeah. fight on their behalf. I mean, I don't think it's true, you know. And it goes into great lengths about how that's the way you get people to spread yep. a rumor. It's
1: 2,300,000 No,
2: there's not, a, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's not, there's not. Like, you use specifics and you tell them that you don't believe it, which yep. means that. You know, people are like, "Wait, hang on. Maybe I'm smarter than you, and I know that it is true." Mm. Uh, and seeds these, or sows these seeds of of dissent and worry in the armies. Uh, and I thought, you know, that was great, and it does kind of work. But but then Rincewind doesn't seem to tell anyone that that's what he's done, or he does, but then it kind of goes. It's weird because it happens so much on the enemy mm. side, and there are other revolutionaries who are helping to stoke those fires. But then the it it, it doesn't. I don't know. does not it, he
1: say it to Hong like at the beginning and then he spreads the rumour? Like, and I can't remember mm. if that's in front of the Horde or not. Oh, he's like, oh, you've, something he, like, he's like, you've just seen the generals but you haven't seen the army, the invisible army, something.
2: Oh, yeah, something um, like that. But
1: I'm not sure if that's like articulating his plan fully and then he goes and spreads the rumours about it, which makes sense with his character because his strength is words, not...
2: Mm. Yeah.
0: That's it true. is incredibly
2: clever of him, though. Mm. Yeah. And it, and look, it certainly has an effect on the armies and then you have all those scenes where Hong's talking to the other noble lords mm. and insisting that they just do the fight anyway and he's not like combating that And i'm like your whole plan was to ferment a fake revolution mm. why are you so bad at countering what is clearly a similar plan being enacted yeah. on you where there's this rumors being sowed in order to destabilize your armies like you you don't know how to do that and his whole thing is deceit so why why doesn't he see it so i was very confused by that or at least like kind of like how is he so easily undone? Like it's a a very difficult thing to undo as is a very relevant theme to our modern world that it's Mm. very easy to put misinformation out there. It's much harder to um, get it back or to cancel it or Mm. say that's not correct. And so I guess there is that element to it. But he he doesn't respond to it like that. He's just like tell them to shut up or tell them to do this. And yeah, okay, they can put their fireworks off, but it's just to get everybody excited. It's not to scare away ghosts. Yeah. And it doesn't. It just Makes things worse, um, but the army's still there and they're still going to show up to fight, so you and know. So it, are the sleeveys, so are the sleeveys. The sleeve,
1: sorry, the sleeveys. I'm sorry, <laughs> no, it's fine, it's fine.
2: Okay, uh, so the, the army's still there, yeah, yeah, um, and and is it going to be a big fight and as, the, as the time gets nearer and the revolutionaries are like, come on, you can help them. It's when he's like, no, I already did what I could do and yeah. there's nothing else I could do and I'm going to run away because otherwise I'm going to die and I don't want to die. Yeah. So you guys can go out there and fight and die and believe that you're more likely to win. And there's like, he has that great line. He's like, what do you think this is, homeopathic war? The less of you there are, the more likely you are to win. And I thought that was brilliant. Um, but, yeah, he he goes. Uh, it has got
0: some killer lines around there as well. Yeah. About war and information, it's, it's possibly his best bit.
2: Yeah, and I think having him there... Like uh, again, this is where I think he's at his most yeah. windiest It's not just that he runs away all the time; it's that he is so aware of the stupidity of the things that happen in these kinds of stories, yeah. and he's like, oh, "But I'm not having any part of it because yep. that's not how it really works." Uh, and there's a lot of little commentaries like that, like when they're in the fighting, and and teachers like, "Oh yeah, I've heard that you know war is a lot of waiting around and then little bits of action," and mm-hmm. they're like, "No, it's it's mostly like uh, lots of um, you know, fright being frightened and then dying." Like, yeah. <laughs> you're like, "Oh yeah." Uh, there's a lot of those sort of reality checks on the tropes of big fantasy battles. Mm. Uh, but he wanders off. He meets up with the luggage again, who sheepishly has found another luggage and made yeah, some little bless. luggages. who has been missing the whole time, apart from a couple of little vignettes we're, where it's like... A little couple of
0: paragraphs here and there, just yeah. to remind
2: us. Not um, enough, but... Yeah. And then as he's walking off up the mountain, it starts to rain because all these quantum weather butterflies have flown mm. overhead and caused this very localised, very intense... An yep. unseasonal storm. Which is kind of the plot of
1: um, the My Little Pony movie. Is it? Well, sort of. Like the the flying ponies go over and they make the evil goo recede. But, like, yeah, it's okay. similar. So the
0: flying ponies pee on everybody? No, I think they
1: just, like, flap their wings and the goo goes away because they're magic. Wow. It's been It's been, like, 20 years since I've watched it, though, so okay. I could be remembering it wrong. I don't Maybe know. there is no My Little Pony movie. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
2: It's like that Shazam movie that doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, yeah, Okay, cool. Um, But yeah, as he's walking away uh, and as the the fight is beginning, you know, they haven't started fighting. This is a big standoff, basically. And they decide they're going to parlay a bit and then that doesn't really work. But Rincewind walks up the hill, falls through a hole in the ground because of the rain Mm -hmm. um, and finds himself in this big cavern Full of terracotta warriors, yeah, basically. Falls into the NGV,
0: I was pretty yeah. impressed. Yeah, I thought good timing by you guys at this podcast. Yeah, so, yeah. 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 Uh, this so episode sponsored
2: by NGV. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not sponsored. Open now. Uh, <laughs> although we have both been,
1: yeah. Um, Is it, it good? I, uh, yes. Um, I got more out of it on reflection afterwards. I oh. think so. Like it wasn't like last year going to MoMA cross NGV where you're like, wow, there's that famous painting. There's that this. It's cool while you're there, and then the more you think about it, the cooler it gets. Yeah. I think there is still like wow factor. Yeah, right.
2: Yeah, yeah. And they burn. They yeah. are awesome, and it, and having seen them in the flesh recently, in the clay, yeah, uh, I, I had a very clear idea of what they might look like yep. in this book because it's clearly what they're invoking, um, even down to the fact that you know they were accidentally found by people digging. You know, yeah, yeah. A yeah.
0: Amazing it. story. They're amazing, they're, and I think it is. Uh, you can over underestimate how amazing they are.
2: Yeah,
1: and they still mm. haven't finished excavating all of it even though it was found in the 70s. There's, oh, there's estimated 5,000 of them. Yeah. And they haven't actually gone into the tomb of the actual emperor yet. That's still uh, like all sealed up. So like that's a mummy movie waiting to happen.
2: Yeah, right. Um, well, it was a mummy movie. Oh, yeah that, yeah. yeah, that was terrible. So yeah. how was there There was, what, there was, that was the fourth 12 one. Mummy movies, weren't there? Well, just they've made a, Mummy Mates Little was Pony. Was it and, the third one with Jet Li in it? Was that the one? No, fourth one with fourth Jet, Jet Li
1: and The Abominable yeah. Snowmen. The oh, that was bad. <laughs> that
2: was so bad. I, look, i am And I've not only Rachel
1: Vice Like, she's just gone.
2: Oh, I've only watched the first two.
1: I think it's the fourth one, isn't it? So the fr- well, it the depends first.
2: if you count The Scorpion King or not.
1: I don't count That's the Scorpion prelude, King, but I do rate the Scorpion King I as a will, movie. I,
2: I must say I'm really happy how much we talk about the 1999 Brendan Fraser starring the Mummy film on this yeah, podcast. I is doing film. it or has just done
1: it or it's something. It's a good yeah.
0: film. It's, it's It rollicks along. It's a good it's a great Indiana film. Jones adventure. The second one, there's a whole lot of things I'm going, hmm, mm, okay. I don't think so. But the it's still first great. one is fun. The first one's a great film. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's just silly fun. As
1: the third one, you're right, is the bonus. I think I've just Indiana Jones in my mind and been like, oh, the terrible one is the fourth one. <laughs> Did that they make that a one fourth when he,
0: one? Yeah, hidden in the fridge when the atomic explosion. Is that the fourth That's one? The fourth I think it's the fourth one. And Jones also film. there's like yeah. the,
1: the crystal skulls and, and it's aliens. Oh,
0: it's so stupid. Yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah. Let's like not, it's Nazis and aliens. Like, oh, look, Nazis and aliens was a great, you know, that's a crossover we all want to see. <laughs> yeah, um, but, you know, we
2: can watch Iron Sky for that. Like, yeah, 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 or just read <laughs>
0: Hellboy or something like that. But It it's doesn't just, have uh, to be an
2: Indiana Jones movie. No, no. No, no it doesn't. Uh, but it was. Let's pretend it wasn't, though. I uh, do pretend it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but to get back to Rinsweet, he makes another reference, which I enjoyed so much, where there's this is the secret tomb of the first emperor of the empire, mm. Mm. Um, and it's under this, Weird mound outside Mm. the city that gets commented on a few times. By teeth, especially. Yeah, which so it is kind of seated that there's something going on there, but then you know, he only finds it by accident because he's walking away from the battle. And then he turns around and he's, excuse me, and he sees the emperor's tomb and then he sees the emperor's like sort of helmet and gloves. And there's all these warriors lined up, they're just like statues. Mm. He's like, that's weird. And there's all these strange globes in the ceiling that are being charged up by the lightning that is Mm. happening. And he puts on the helmet and he can see the back of his own head. So <laughs> it's a virtual reality helmet. Yeah. And he puts on the gloves and these little icons glow up and he's basically playing lemmings. Yeah. <laughs> which I loved as a reference. Uh and I found a great quote actually from Toe because he was he was asked about this. And he kind of, you know, jokingly, uh, he said, what, Lemmings? Merely because the Red Army can fight, dig, march, and climb and is controlled by little icons? Can't imagine how anyone thought that. (laughs) And then he said, not only did I wipe Lemmings from my hard disk, I overwrote it so I couldn't get it back. (laughs) I'm like, wow, he... He really hated Lemmings.
1: No, lemmings no, it's, it sounds like he loved Lemmings. He loved, he
2: loved it a bit too much. Like he played it too much.
1: Yeah, because like at school, we had it on a lot of school computers, and at lunchtime, everyone would like race in. Like you smash down your sandwich, and you race in to be one of like to get one of the computers so you could play mm. Lemmings. So it, lemmings
0: is the basis of all tower defense games, basically, isn't it? Well, it's the sort of. Unstoppable. It's, the zombies versus plants. All those well, sort of things started so, there. Sort
2: of. There's not really any tower defense. You don't have any enemies. It's just about getting them to the exit. Yeah. So you assign some of them roles to control the other Lemmings and make sure they go where they're supposed to go.
1: Your enemy is time. Enough. Well, I found true.
2: out
0: last week it was invented in Dundee. Really? I mean, yeah, uh, Dundee's a city of design. In a meeting, at a UNESCO meeting last week, they said we invented lemmings. I went, you did
2: not, liars! Just because you put it in PowerPoint, they did. No, they did. It, well, I didn't know it was them, but I did know it was a UK game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was, that was Dundee's cool. done amazing things. I oh, really want to go really home surprising. and play it now. Uh, but they, uh, well, it's good. There is a. Fairly recent mobile version, which isn't terrible. Unlike a lot, don't of tell me that. Version. What, a, what, a, I what don't, a
0: high bar it is! It isn't terrible. No, it's <laughs> actually
2: it's actually pretty good. It it just avoids some of the tropes of free to play mobile games that are maybe a bit annoying. Um, but it's, uh, it it includes some of them and avoids others. But, but it's, it's
1: horrifyingly addictive, so I should probably not. Yeah, don't do
2: it. Uh, Where do lemmings live? Well,
0: they, well,
2: don't, they don't. They
0: just. No, keep no, they, 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 die. they are animals, aren't they? Are they real? Are they, they are real yeah. animals. Yeah. And the
2: whole thing about them walking off cliffs is not. True, no, but where are they it's from? It's not true. It's not an it's evolutionary
0: a, forward step. Well, it's you, because
2: of a Disney film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think I think actually we might have talked about this. It's in the show notes to an earlier episode because we talked about the um, the ermines, uh, oh. one of the Discworld animals, which is clearly inspired by the idea of lemmings. Look up yeah. Where lemmings live. Uh, and I think I think they they live in Europe because there are mink kind of ferret. Yeah, they're kind of. They're that related family to...
0: of really vicious things that will absolutely stuff you up if you put it you know, down your pants.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, this is one where it's going to be. Oh, they're cute. I'm just gonna. Uh,
1: throughout temperate and polar regions of North America and Eurasia, inhabiting steppes spelt S-T-E-P-P-E-S, and semi-deserts, treeless alpine or arctic tundra, sphagnum bobs, coniferous forests, and sage. These are just made-up words. Now, sphagnum
0: sphagnum is- bog is really important for the environment. They, they dig up and put into uh, garden centers. It's one of the worst resources to put into your garden.
1: Did anyone know that this is what they look like? They're very cute. Oh, they're
0: cute. They're little micey yeah. things. They are. Very they're not cute. really ferrets.
1: I thought they'd be like. I, I was imagining the computer. For... Game thing. No. Just Like hairless and, in some areas. And, and and
0: well, they have got green hair and weird sort and of. They, and they walk on two legs. It's it's not a
2: documentary <laughs> list. And I very it's much do not game. want
1: these to die. Like I, no. I don't think I could blow them up at the no. end
2: of a level. Uh, no, you wouldn't. You wouldn't want that.
1: It'd be very deeply upsetting.
2: Everybody thinks that they would run off cliffs if you if they yeah. weren't stopped, but that's because. That was a myth and it was propagated by a Disney wildlife film in which they kind of made a bunch of them run off a cliff. Yeah. And it's and it's just yeah, it's a horrendous story. I'll find I'll find the details I'll put it in the show notes for this episode uh, if I can't find cuz people are suddenly fascinated
0: before. by the amount of wildlife talk I brought in. got seals and sea lions, turtles and tortoises, <laughs> lemmings, sloths, well, they got we the need, closing speed of a cheetah, we things we need, like that. We
1: need to know these things. Yeah. Um, I love that in your summary them. of them you added like five more things. Oh, no,
0: <laughs> just just <checking> out weird <laughs> stuff in my head. I, I, I really like the idea of things hidden in mounds and I'm just bringing it back to living in Salisbury where Terry Pratchett lived and the whole barrows and stuff around Stonehenge and the fact that you can, there's a back road between Salisbury and Stonehenge and you go there and you go on top of the hill and you can see all the barrows mm. and there's also that big hill. I can't remember what it is. I'm going to call it Spilsbury, but he's a guy I went to school with. Um, all those things are what haven't been dug up, which have tombs. Yeah. Um, all the barrows, yeah, and, and also hitting back the fantasy weirdstone of Brisingham and you know books like that, which is and that whole myth that King Arthur's living in a barrow, and he's going to come back and be really disappointed with brexit, mm. um, yeah, really dig it, I mean you, yeah, it's yeah. the kind of fantasy
2: muscle in me loves it, well, you have to dig it, it's underground.
0: Yeah, there we go. Set that um, one up. Can I
2: just quickly
1: say, also, it's kind of nice um, when they were talking about originally transporting Rincewind to the counterweight continent. That he was like, "How are you going to stop me from ending up in a mountain or something?" Oh yeah, and he ends up in a mountain or something. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: that's true. And he nearly gets stuck there as well because yeah. but- he puts the helmet and the thing on. And then activates it, and then he can control this the Red Army. And yeah, this horde, is the original the- magical army made yeah. of earth and powered by lightning, which they all think is a myth, but it's not. It's, it's this incredible, incredible magical business. Mm. yeah yeah and there's repeated references to the idea that the red army will rise and you know yep. fight on the side of righteousness and he's like no that there's no invisible or magical red army that's going to come and save you and then he is the instrument by which that actually does happen yeah uh and the red army comes up out of the ground and they fight the armies of all the warlords um and scatter them all because they're already frightened of the you know invisible ghosts and now and there's and an actual sandals. red army coming um yeah and uh they win the battle by mm. scaring everybody off and killing a bunch of people. Um, and so the Silver Horde storms back into the palace to say, well, it's ours now. Uh, but then Lord Hong is not having that and goes in to confront them, uh, which is when twoflower taps him on the shoulder and says, hey, mate. Yeah. <laughs> like, do you remember a while ago you were having a skirmish and you incidentally killed a bunch of people? Well, I'm not very happy about that. And he doesn't, you know, say my name is... Two flour, yeah. kill my wife, prepare to die. But yeah. he he, he's, he does a very polite version of that, and uh, and is about to fight him. He's clearly going to die because he's no good at it, yeah. and refuses his daughter's like stepping in, uh, even though they'd be much better at the job. And a barking dog. Yeah, we, we gets get the payoff. He comes back. Yeah. Because they're trying to... because And this comes back because they're, they're just... is that Are they just sending it back? Or they're no, trying they're trying to, to get him back. They're trying to get Rinsman yeah, back, yeah, yeah, but yeah. they can't do it because he's not in the right spot. Yeah. Uh, or rather, no, they can do it, but there's this weird interference that the lady has done with the quantum weather butterfly landing on Hex to yep. ruin the calculations. And so, yeah, they send the barking dog back, which was the plan, but it comes back and blows up or fires, uh, obliterates mm-hmm. Lord Hong... Mm. But also kills Teach, who by this time has taken on his true barbarian persona <laughs> and found the life he was always meant to lead. I just.
0: Just something just occurred to me. So the whole thing of Hex, you have to send something the same mass back. Or similar mass, yeah. Yeah. So Rincewind is as heavy as a barking dog cannon. Well, they or is that luggage?
2: That, they said he was too heavy. But it was heavier than him, which meant that he had too much momentum. Ah, uh, uh, so
0: that's it. Okay. Good.
2: But I think. Yeah, and I, I think they, they that so at their end, that's why they had the like mattresses and stuff piled yep. up. Yeah. Yep. Um, but they did, thought they'd just send that back, mm. uh, and of course, it doesn't really work. And that's why, no. you, like, you know, piles through a snowdrift and yeah, smashes a keeps bunch moving. of people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's so sad. I can't believe teach, teach died. I was sad about Should that.
0: It his book. It was his book.
1: But then he gets kind of a good. because rep- oh. there is a cameo from Death earlier on. Yeah. And then, as it always should be, yeah,
2: best mm-hmm. character ever, yes.
1: But, um, he's like, Oh, well, um, Lord Hung's gonna be off in the desert, there's some ghosts who want to see him. Um, meanwhile, we're gonna take you over to your appointment, and there's a Valkyrie waiting for him because he's a yeah. barbarian now. Yeah. And he's
2: turning around, going, Am I in the right place? And death's gone. And he's like, yeah. I guess I'll just go. He's like, Oh, maybe this will be good, actually. Mm. <laughs>
1: Is there a library there? <laughs> yeah, it starts
0: some <laughs> evening
2: classes, it's very funny.
0: Just going back to when I was dismissing, um, the, the dramatisations of all of Terry Pratchett's work, and I think it was before we started recording, mm. it's because some amateur theatre person always had to play death and mm. they can never do it the way it is in our head. As such an important character. It's very difficult yeah, to pull Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, obviously there's death has been done in a million ways on TV but Terry Pratchett's death mm. is a very particular death and you don't want, you know... Jono, who, you know, did Importance of Being Earnest last season is now doing Death.
1: doesn't work. I think it's because, like, when you have a beloved character and if you have 50 people sitting in an audience that, with 50 different views on what the character is like, you're probably going to disappoint all of them. And at best you'll, like, maybe you'll make one of them sort of happy. I don't mm. know. Because it is one of those unfilmable novel kind of characters. Sounds like crazy,
0: though. They, they had that period of time and every Pratchett fan went because there was no dramatisations, just so little merch you could get. Mm. And and it was, so they'd go and they'd forgive it.
2: They'd forgive it its fault. Look, anytime you have death and it's not the voice of Christopher Lee, you're just, like, disappointed, oh, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, I and I'm interested to see who they cast next because in Good Omens it's, brian cox not the, the astronomer the american actor yep uh and i thought that was a really strange choice yep. it was a
1: different sort of death so i felt okay with that it's not more- the
2: death it's a death yeah it's more sinister kind of four of the apocalypse death so yeah he's not he's not the same guy and then you know this is this is kind of the end. Like no, you're skipping over the the worst bit of the book. Well, no, I haven't. I haven't Deliberately, maybe. I'm, I'm, not, okay. I'm not stopping yet. Uh, but um, people Tuflar, can read and discover it. Two flower gets uh, offered the role of being grand vizier. Yep. Um, Rincewind is, is in the king. process of being offered. You know, or, or they mentioned to him that he could be. You know, fund his own, start his own university. Yeah. But he doesn't get a chance because he suddenly disappears because the the this weird glitch in hex's calculations has not meant that he's not going anywhere it just means that instead of going back to the university um a third thing has been transported uh that splats into the wall at the university which is kind of horrifying and gross yeah uh and they can't quite figure out what it is but they think it's kind of like maybe a giant rat or something uh and then Rincewind ends up in the continent of X, 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 X. Mm. Oh, boy. Yeah. The continent of sneaky
1: beer. <laughs> oh, <laughs> really,
0: really not. It's just, look, we're not a great culture, but do we really deserve this, you know, this novelization mm. of us? We've, wow.
1: It's just so offensive in so many different it's, ways it's, in it's, such a short period
0: of time. It's oh. remarkably worse than the Simpsons episode. Yeah. That's how bad it is. It, it, wow. It's a painful four or five pages. Um. Oh, but yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, it just yeah, it was, it was
0: just just an awkward silence there. we just here we go. There let's is, not go let's remember because well, it's got
1: stereotypes plus like the worst of colonialism oh. all merged into this. Uh,
0: What's the character? I don't even want to think. About it. I mean, <laughs> it's
2: it's you know in in the first five seconds that he's there in this book, he's like gets offered a boomerang and then he's like, I don't want your stupid stick. I don't want to be part of your adventures. And he throws it away and of course it comes back and hits him in the head. And I'm like. You have to know how to throw those. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. It's not, it
0: not going to happen. Um, it's it, it's yeah. like that movie, and I'm not sure it wasn't a Brendan Fraser movie set in Australia with a giant kangaroo. Uh, you remember that? I don't It wasn't Brendan Fraser. Just it wasn't Brendan Fraser. But it was at the same acting school. It was, um,
2: uh, it was what's his name from Sliders? Oh, so bad. Uh, yeah. So Jerry bad. O'Connell. Yeah. In Kangaroo Jack.
0: Well, you could have either. They're interchangeable. Um, I
2: know. I, I I'll fight you. What's Quentin to doing? He's he's got something new coming out. Hasn't he has. He? Yeah. He's he had a long time off for very sad personal yeah. Yeah. reasons. Yeah. Just a long article um, about it, which is good. Yeah. Uh, but he's great, and I'm really glad to see him back. But look, that that brings us to the end, though, of the book. Um, I mean, I think we've kind of said how we feel about it as we go through.
0: It's interesting where, for me where it places in the momentum of reading them all for me. Like it was a 17th, I'd read them, I read the first 16 really quickly. Like I borrowed them from a friend and mm. this one I think when it came out and you develop the muscle familiarity, which you guys must have because you're reading them again and this is me dipping back. Mm. Um, but the first time I thought about it, I think there's, there's a good book in there. It's just not quite working and then you take away some of the lazy, lazy melding of cultures and you know the whole barbarian who's so totally inappropriate which we've avoided talking about but is really a bit of a stain on the book
1: mm. and is that how people felt at the time us reading it though or is this like looking at it through the lens of how far we've come in some ways because like mm. did it hold up momentum or did it compare yeah. it unfavorably with the other books at the time
0: no, I enjoyed it at the time. Yeah, this wasn't yeah. the ones that made me go when I started skipping and I, I think it's around about this I started going they're not all great um, and I reckon I read the first 15 or so within months. I was ripping through them. I read the first two within weeks Yeah, and um, it was just those things you're just waiting for. So as you just talking before about series of Harry Potter, you wait for the next Harry Potter and your anticipation makes a book better than it will ever be. Mm,
2: yeah. Yeah, I, I read the first ones up to this Fairly quickly, I paced Mm. them out a bit longer because of various, you know, practical reasons. But I think I read, I read them all over the space of a year or maybe Mm. eighteen months. And um, but I caught up to this. I think was like I said was the current one. Mm. Because um, I think it's the last one that I have in the paperback, and then yep. I was working at a bookshop at the time, so I was buying them in hardcover as they came out.
0: Yeah,
2: great. Uh, starting with I think Masquerade, which I think is the next one. Oh,
0: Masquerade's good. Yeah, mm. Masquerade's really
2: good. There's and, some really good ones around here. Yeah, yeah. yeah and and I remember enjoying this because I I really liked Rincewind, and I was really happy yeah. to see him back. But I I don't think I have ever thought back on it as like one of my favourites. Oh. And but I do think there's so many really great bits in it. Yeah, that really kind of. Make you know, you wouldn't want to not reread it, yeah. I think. Um, you wouldn't skip it because there's so many good bits. Um, and it then becomes part of Cohen's story, which we, we come back to later in The Last Hero. Um, mm-hmm. it becomes part of Rincewind's story, which you know, we'll revisit when we get to The Last Continent. Um, let's not talk about that anymore right now. So, yeah. I don't know, I, I think it's got lots of great bits that yeah. kind of save it a bit,
1: yeah. And again, like just coming back, that. We didn't talk about the ninjas as well, oh, which no. was quite good. Um, okay. Yeah, the examination scene I particularly loved. Yeah. Because mm. it was just very. The, the, especially the poem being written on his leg. Because that was before Mulan came out, where she has the poem written on her hand. Mm. And then the, the lady grabs her hand and then draws a moustache on her face. So, yeah. <laughs>
0: it's, it's right about the time that I reckon he's writing jumped. And I reckon Soul Music is kind of seeing it. And the guards put. Like, men at arms is before mm. this. I reckon he's writing. He gets. I'm going to say craft and that sounds incredibly insulting to him as a writer because he could obviously write and a very smart man. But observation observation was driving it for a long time and parody, but I think satire came in. And I always reckon the guards' books are the ones where there's some of those books are so affecting and they're so clever and the later books aren't as funny, but, they're, geez, they're good books. Mm. Yeah, they are good. Yeah, he
1: picked good. up skills along the way oh, and yeah, yeah,
0: they're yeah. showing through here. He also probably ran out of things he could do parody and tropes on.
2: Well, I think he became yeah. interested in different things. Yeah. And, you, and you can see that even in the transition from the really early stuff into this yeah. period of writing where he's already interested in different stuff than he was interested yeah. in when he started writing the Discworld books. Um, but look, let's let's talk about a few of those favourite bits that I think kind of save the book because I've, I've got a few. Liz, did you have
1: any? I did enjoy that Fluxes came up again <laughs> in this, even though it wasn't a gross context, but I guess that... Yeah. happens, as in like a poopy context.
2: Um, I liked uh, quite early on there's a there's a line um, where he's, de- he's describing the quantum weather butterfly for the first time mm. and he says that the wings are slightly more ragged than those of the common fritillary, which I thought was a very specific and weird word to use. So I, I looked it up and it is the name of a particular kind of flower and also the name of a fairly common um, butterfly that you'd find in Europe, not one that we have here. But I thought it was really interesting because the name supposedly comes from... An Italian name or a Latin name for a dice box, um, oh. because the pattern on the wings of the butterfly or of the um, the uh, lily-like plant uh, resembles the pattern that you would get on dice boxes. And I thought, does that mean like does he did do that on purpose? Because it's a quantum weather butterfly and it's rolling the dice. I mean, is that yeah? And yeah. I, and I I think surely. But then yeah. but then I also felt a bit sad about that because I'm like he did that much research on that, but he, somehow he did research. Well, the language things that maybe might have been... it's deliberate
0: choice. Maybe, maybe there's a maybe distance there's more in, in the... generalisation that he did, he wanted to keep. Yeah, I
2: don't know.
1: But there is, I think, that some of the language things that I talked about earlier aren't a coincidence. Like I think there yeah. is a level of research that went into making those references have resonance that might otherwise be picked up. But Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Um, I also really liked uh, we get another glimpse into the work of Bloody Stupid Johnson with the the place that they're using is the thing where the albatrosses can yep, roost. Yep. And they're like, what what is this place? And the patrician says, I've always understood that Mr. Johnson originally planned this to be a beehive. However, <laughs> yeah, in the so absence of bees, 10 feet long. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's great. I'm imagining this huge sort of dome it's, structure. It's, it's based on that.
0: Architect, the English architect. Yeah, on a real one. I think I we, we, we haven't known about him in, in one of the
1: earlier yeah. episodes, but yeah, he's... That's so grim. <laughs> so good. Oh, yeah, it's great. So There were some good puns, like, about glasses making a spectacle of yourself. Um, <laughs> yes. And then he says portents, and he's like, oh, but, like, it's a joke, like, portents um, is another joke. But I did really enjoy when they do their toasts rather than quaffing, and they all have their different ones. So um, I can't even begin to say them, but... Yeah, it's when the silver hoarder all quaffing pints, and it's just kind of nice moment of solidarity between them. So, yeah,
2: yeah. I, on that, I also liked when they're talking about their different versions of the afterlife, and they're basically all different versions mm. of the Viking afterlife. Yeah, yeah. But they're all they're all drawn from real mythology. It's like, oh, I think we all get on this ship made out of the toenails of the dead, and, <laughs> or we all, you know, we get picked up by a Valkyrie. Or yeah, I thought that was that was kind of cool. Um, I mentioned the homeopathic warfare one, didn't I? That was a good oh, one. Oh, yeah, that a good
1: note. Earlier about like it's as much use trying to do this as asking something else, and one of them was like asking what sound yellow makes. Mm. I think oh, it was a yeah. footnote, but yeah,
2: yeah. That's what sound one.
1: do you think yellow would make? Um, it's so. a useful question.
0: A, a confused noise. <laughs> yes, soft ping, yeah. like an
2: elevator opening.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, guess I, I would have thought it'd be more mellow, but that could be just my rhyming. No, that's blue. So, yeah, yeah, and green.
2: Yeah. Oh, now, I quite like the bit where they're getting worried in the in the university. They're getting worried about Hex becoming intelligent. There's there's the bit where Ponder's talking to um, Mad Adrian, one of the other staff members in the high energy magic building. Uh, and there's a couple of great bits in there. He says, uh, "You mean it's alive?" And then Ponder says, "Come on, let's not get all occult about this. We're wizards after all." <laughs> And I was like, that's, isn't that the whole job description? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. Ponder also talks about the fact that you have to meddle a bit and then understand later. But also, Adrian says, listen, you know that long problem in Thormic Fields you wanted me to put in? Yes. Well, it gave me the answer at midnight, said Adrian, his face pale. Good. Yes, good. Except that I didn't actually give it the problem until half past one, Ponder. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? But then he goes on to say, you, you got the answer before you asked the question. He said, yes. Why did you ask the question then? Why well, I thought about it and I thought maybe I had to. I mean, I couldn't have known what the answer was going to be if I didn't give it the problem. Well, good point. Um, you waited 90 minutes though. I was hiding in the privy. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: There's no better word than privy. Mm. Privy is just a, just a comedy word. Which, which it is brought, a good comedy word. Brought back to the room at privy.
2: The other thing I really like is when Rincewind first finds the magic armor. Perfectly normal magic armor. It had never been very popular in Hank Pork. Of course, it was light, you could make it as thin as cloth, but it tended to lose its magic without warning. Many an ancient lord's last words had been, you can't kill me because I've got magic. Ah! <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's very good. Magic, your wife's a hippo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's some great footnotes as well. One of my favourite ones is the one where they're talking about the fireworks bomb. And the, the the footnote is, kids, only very silly wizards with bad sinus trouble do this. <laughs> Sensible people go off to a roped-off enclosure where they can watch a heavily protected man in the middle distance light with the aid of a very long pole, something that goes, fst, and then they can shout, hooray. <laughs> I was like, oh, that was cute. A little like, hey, kids, don't do this at home moment. Um, yeah, so those are a few of my favorite bits. Hmm.
1: Did you have any favorite bits? You
0: want oh, to? I, 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 just that first bit back in eight a- more Park. It's probably because I was just watching Game of Thrones so I was just having a visual <laughs> reference to how bad a medieval city can be and I was in a medieval town. So, And also the terracotta warriors and the callback to being the golem, you just mentioned that, mm. and it's one of my favourite stories, the golem of Prague.
2: So oh, yeah. It's
0: really interesting.
2: And, of course, we get much more into that in Feet of Clay. Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: I think that's probably why I like the golem of Prague is from Feet of Clay. So,
2: yeah, I dig them. Yeah,
3: cool.
1: Because uh, they're buried. <laughs> oh.
2: um, but we, to help <laughs> We did get some good questions so, uh, Liz, who we start with? Um,
1: I just want to start more with a comment um, from our Discord from Zoe who did also point to some of the issues that we discussed that helped shape our discussion today mm. about um, some of the, the satirical issues so I just thought I'd just do a shout out for that this one's from Danny. Ideal casting choice for Two Flower, Pretty Butterfly, Lotus Blossom, Lord Hong, and the Emperor. So we don't have to do all of all of them. That's quite a lot, but oh. if you have some choices, I think
2: oh. this is a tricky question. I mean, I, I um, look, I do say I I, I did like, uh, and I, and I've talked before on the podcast um about how I haven't watched the Colour of Magic TV adaptation yeah. because they cast David Jason as Rince Wind and I just thought that was such horrendously yeah. bad casting because he's much too old yeah. um and doesn't look at all like I, how I imagine nah. Rince to look. So I didn't want to watch it. But they cast Sean Aston as two flower. And oh. so instead of making him a parody of a Japanese tourist, they made him a parody of an American tourist. And so oh. he's still wearing like a loud Hawaiian shirt and the hat and the and yeah. the glasses but he's being very American instead of... And I thought, that's a clever way to turn it around. But it does mean you can't make interesting times because you can't make the, the counterweight continent full of Americans. To. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, maybe you wouldn't want to. I don't know. No. Um, very weird, I thought. Um, so I kind of like that, but that's hard things to do. None of them are old enough because I, I just... I want to say Lucy Lou because I love her so much because I watch elementary a lot and she's one of my faves. Mm. But she's just... She's, she's not young enough for any of those characters. Um, although... You know what? You she could cast like her as her. Lord Hong. Yeah. She would be an amazing Lord Hong. She but could not nail when
1: that. I wouldn't be able to buy her d- devolution of the plan later.
2: Mm, yeah, but I think if you if you were adapting it into film, you'd probably change the ending, wouldn't you? You'd fix yeah. it a bit, and you'd probably—I mean—you'd take that opportunity, like you would with any adaptation of something that's a bit older, to knock the the rough edges off it and you'd to throw try in and make it something
1: event. Yeah,
2: a bit like, you know, they did that and I don't want to get into any spoilers because a lot of people won't have seen it yet, but they did that with a few of the elements of Good Omens that maybe didn't work as well yeah. in the book as they could have. Um, mostly it's very faithful, but the kind of extra stuff they add in, the couple of little things they change, I thought were really great. You've got to change. It's different mediums. We're not looking
0: for photocopies. That's a whole yeah. the world and I think when people let that go.
2: But we're, we're getting away from the topic. Yeah, we're avoiding it really have well. Have we got any good casting choices? I think
1: this is a real comment on... T- Diversity casting in that mm-hmm. there is like only a small handful of Asian actors in Hollywood that have recurring roles. Like there's lots of good ones, but just, yeah. I just
2: thought of who I want to be, Lord Hong though. No. Yeah, BD Wong.
1: Yes, I love
2: him so much. He's and he can do evil, like because he's in Gotham and he plays the evil psychologist, does all the experiments on all the patients in Arkham Asylum, and uh, he's a, he's a character from the comics, so there's quite a different version in yep. the, in Gotham. And he's so good. He's so good. I'd never seen him being evil before, and I just loved it so much. And it and Gotham is a very dramatic, cartoony over like it's very melodramatic. In fact, it's very over the top, which is one of the reasons I love it so much. And he just does that kind of. He's like, yes, I will kill you all. Kind mm-hmm. of. He does. And he would be perfect. Yeah. He would. He wouldn't play it the same, but he could really nail it. I think he'd be great as Lord Hong. I'll, I'll put that in there as a as another one mm. for sure. He's great. But you're right. You know, that's why I was hesitating because I'm like, well, I don't want to suggest any white actors. Although this does remind me, uh, I did see a note and this might give us a bit more of an insight into how much Terry was thinking about things, is that there's a line in the book um, where the samurai warriors towards the end of the big fight sequence are shouting things um, and he wrote about it. He put some lines in there that are gibberish that are meant to sound like Japanese, but he did it very deliberately because when they were making World War II movies in Hollywood featuring Japanese characters as the antagonists, they couldn't hire any actual Japanese people to do it because they were all in internment camps because this is a big, horrible thing that happened during World War II. Um, And so they roped in anyone who looked a bit Japanese in inverted commas, most of whom were Korean Americans and they didn't know how to speak. (laughs) Yeah. And Mickey Rooney, but the less said about that, the better. Um, and um, the story goes that uh, since they basically their job was to show up and get shot by John Wayne, that they just had to sound something that sounded a bit um, Japanese. And so someone on set, and this is the the story says, shout very fast, I tie your shoe, you tie my shoe, which they thought would sound like Japanese words. And so that's what they're shouting in the book in here. And it's a reference to oh, these non-Japanese actors being forced to play Japanese characters and not knowing the language and making something up with the help of some Western people who you know, couldn't really care less as long as it sounded a bit weird. So, so he was thinking on that level and he's yeah, put yeah. a reference to that in the book, yeah. which means that he is thinking on some level about that sort of stuff. I've got one
0: for Two Flower. Mm. Oh, yeah. And I can't remember the actor's name. The guy from Heroes.
2: Oh, yeah. He's really
0: old enough now to play it. Yes. And he's got that innocent naivety, and, and you love him. As yeah. soon as he walks on the screen, you absolutely adore him.
1: And he does do that glasses pushing up thing. Uh, that's he like, he yeah. is
0: just, he would be older, and but also just, just screen
2: presence. Uh, yeah. His name is Massey Oka.
0: Yep. He would be great. He would be great. Yeah.
2: yeah. Oh, that's and the daughters daughters have
0: to be new. They have to be unknowns. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. you don't want to see – you don't – when you see the movie, presume you haven't read the book, you don't want to see a name character appear because as soon as you see a name actor, you go, oh, they're important. Yeah.
2: Mm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay.
1: All right. Like so um, this one's from Kitty Hawk. Um, What do you think of the scene where Rincewind is in Sator Square eating sausage in a bun and being inexpertly coshed by Thieves Guild trainees? Um, My answer is I love it. Oh, yeah, it was great. Read a whole book of that.
2: The bunnings scene. Hey. (laughs) It was nice to see the actual Thieves Guild in action. Yeah. Like training people. That was great. (laughs) <laughs> yeah.
0: oh, um. oh, why did I call it that? Why doesn't Bunnings have it called it? Sausage in the Bunnings? They? Oh, they should. What's wrong with the world? Quick, they let's copyright it. That's what this food truck should be called oh, Sausage in the Bunnings. Yeah. And it should be green. Yes. Uh, okay, I'm, we'll I'm, that I'm not
1: out. moving on the Lisa McCune poster, though. It has to have oh, okay. one. Oh, okay, all right, oh, all,
2: all nice, right. Lisa. Yeah. Mm. Okay.
1: Maybe right. her and PJ from Blue Heelers together. Okay. <laughs> Going deep Australia. Okay, but yeah. <laughs> yeah go
2: on. Um, what, what else? What else have we got?
1: Uh, what other questions have we got? Um, this one's from Sven Uckerman, who sent us a lot of very good questions. So We're not going to be able to do all of them. Oh, but thank you, though, Sven. What is your favorite simple dish with pasta to feed several hundred thousand to kill later? <laughs> That's a very good niche reference. Like, I would just like a simple pasta dish because there's lots of them. Mm. Um, I think mm. just like pesto because you'd stir it through. Yeah.
2: Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. And it really also, easy. it's green and viscous, and you can't really yeah, see what's you can in do it.
0: You're doing a really easy one with mushrooms, and garlic, and cream. Really simple. We used to live on it when I was an artist of mm. sorts. Mm. You know, yep. very easy. It's garlicky, so you can hide the tastes.
1: See, that's so much more sophisticated than my. I used to live on this thing, which is a can of minestrone. And if I was feeling rather hungry with some rice in it,
0: yeah, I've done that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> work in the arts. Yeah. 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 If you're
1: feeling really gourmet, you can add some like spices to oh, it while spices,
0: it's on the side. Spices. Yeah. Fancy. Yeah, I know. Like, bit of, bit of is spices, basil. Spices are the condiments you steal from Hungry Jacks. Is that, yeah. is that what you're talking about? Salt and pepper. Yeah. Look,
2: mm-hmm. I, I remember one of my versions of that was uh, something I used to cook for breakfast. And I do like Los Juegos Fancheros, but all it was was just, I just like scramble some eggs and tipped some like salsa oh, dip fancy. in it. it yeah. was, that was pretty good, actually. Yeah.
1: Um, we've got a couple of good ones from Achou and Sneeze as well, so we can't do them all unfortunately, but you did have a really good comment about Sir Terry doesn't swear very much, but it stands out when he does, doesn't it?
2: Oh yeah, and we notice that in every book. I mean in this one, oh, there's that great bit where uh Rincewind is stuck in the armor and he's having to do the charades to tell them where he is because he can't speak through the golems. Mm. Uh and he's he's so he's doing the charades and two flower works it out and he says he says, oh, you worked it out. You, you understood wind? That was a really difficult one to do, that syllable. And he goes, yeah, but it was more when you started going, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, I'm going to die that we really <laughs> figured out it was you. And I'm like, yes, that's a rinse-wind thing to say. And yeah. it is one of the few times that he uses real swearing in the books. But I think it, it gives it that a bit more down-to-earth feel when he puts it in there. Which um, other character swear? Um, I think... Is in- he the only one? I think he's doing only his says in this book. Like I think in other books, maybe. I not I can't. I, none are jumping out as. I and swear look, you don't as, get much. It's it's basically just the occasional no. shit. That's yeah. really all. But you But it's get. always a
1: shock to the system. You're like, oh my de-
2: oh, well, goodness yeah. gracious yeah. me! I mean, it's not much of a shock to us, I'm sure. I wonder if it's been bastardized in the American editions or whether they still say shit in there. I don't know. Mm. It'd be interesting to know if you've got an American Darn edition. Putin. Let us let us know. And like, if you've got the Swedish edition, mm. can you check? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Is is it the same in other languages? I don't know.
1: Um, But um, a tune sneeze did send in this question slash comment, which I thought was worth sharing. Is this the greatest description of Discord magic ever? Magic isn't like maths. Like the Discord itself, it follows common sense rather than logic. And nor is it like cookery. A cake's a cake. Mix the ingredients upright and cook them at the right temperature and a cake happens. No casserole requires moonbeams. No souffle ever demanded to be mixed by a virgin.
2: Yeah.
3: It's very
1: good. Yeah.
2: I like that. I like that a lot.
1: Uh, we'll share some of, um, you and other observations on the Twitter as well, because there's some very good ones in there. Yeah. Um, great. this one's from Bryn. Do you think the depiction of two flower and rinse relationship in the book is consistent with it as presented in the color of magic in interesting times? Is this the only time we see veterinary actually worried about the power of another country?
2: Oh, that is a good question. Um, yeah, well, it's not the only time. I mean, obviously, you've got some more, you've got some more direct worries, like, for example, in Jingo or in, um, and it's kind of at a distance because we don't really spend much time with him. But in Monstrous Regiment, that's kind of what's going on in the background. That's the reason for the war that's happening there. So there are other times, but this is this is the first mm. time you see him doing state stuff that involves other countries. Uh, also, there's the Fifth Elephant, I suppose, and where it's the whole mission to Überwald and stuff. So there are a few other times, mm. but I think this is definitely the first one. Yeah.
1: What about the depiction of Two
2: Flower and Rincewind's relationship? So do you think that's consistent? I don't know. It's a good question. They've been apart for so long that yeah. I think you buy that things aren't quite the same. Mm. But again, you know, and this was something that Meg also asked on Facebook about the reveal of Two Flower and how we felt about it and were we happy that we got more story for him. And I, and I think, you know, I've already talked about how I was a bit disappointed mm. and I think they just don't, they spend so little time together, but it is nice that they have that friendship because it's not often you see Rincewind with someone who he feels comfortable with. And he still is on edge because of the situation, but Two Flower is still very warm to him.
1: Two Flower is warm to
2: most people. Yeah. yeah. So that's true. a lovely man. He is nice. Mm. That's why I like him so much. Because He's a hero now. Yeah, that's perfect. You nailed it. He's so good.
1: That's all the questions we have time for, except so? I do have one question of my own, so it's a bit sneaky. But, no, um, go on. if Did
0: you tweet it? No. Yeah, also, we don't take it. Sorry. I'm going to ask you anyway. I'm going to pull rank. It's like rules of magic.
1: This one's a question for you, David. Oh, um, here we go. If ankh Morpork was a city of literature, oh, here we go. what do you think the guild would be like? Or would it have a guild?
0: <laughs> That's an excellent question. So it would be like a guild
2: of writers. writers,
0: and- writers. Yeah.
1: It's okay, you don't have to
0: answer. I know. <laughs>
2: you really put him on the spot. Yeah, I, mean, exactly. I just thought I of it of all the then. the guilds so I was of like, Park, Morphark, which one would, would fit?
1: But like, the Guild of Writers would, I think, because like, they've got a journalist thread throughout the thing. But like, They
2: do sort of have a guild for them at some point, don't they? Yeah, and they talk about scribes yeah.
0: occasionally.
1: But I just wonder what it would be like.
0: Are you suggesting it would be another ineffective guild that only appears every now and again and we laugh at
1: it? No, i would read the heck out of a book <laughs> about the, the Writers Guild of Angkor, <laughs> And I think he would have some... Great insights to add into like a book about the Writers Guild of Ankh-Morpork. and They do have one of the greatest libraries on the disc. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. And the
1: spelling is all over the place. Like it's uh, just...
0: Let's, sorry, let's just put our hands up and wave to the librarian. Yeah. The greatest literary figure in any literature. Mm. Yes. You know.
1: So he'd be a paid up member of the guild. Uh, he'd I'd, be high up in the, on the I'd board. I'm suggesting
0: that there's one guild... There's possibly a guild of writers, a mm. guild of booksellers. Guild of librarians. Guild of librarians.
2: Which know. And we know there is a secret society of librarians that meets on yeah. the Discworld. Like and there's a secret society
0: of librarians who meet in Melbourne as well, so that I, would work as well. I have no doubt. Yeah, I just <laughs> made up <laughs> no, no, I it up and it's now <laughs> <laughs> official. No, it's, <laughs> we had uh, we had a librarian on the podcast and she, yeah.
2: she admitted that yes, she's been initiated oh, that, to yeah. the secrets, but she can't tell us about them. The
0: whole glam librarian thing and the cardi parties and things like that, there is. We're just out of them. So, yeah, I'm sure there'd be Many, many, many different guilds and
2: Good ineffective
0: organisations talking about each other.
2: Oh, that's great. Hmm? Well, look, that does bring us to the end of the podcast though. David, thank you so much My for pleasure. being a guest. If people want to find out more about Melbourne as a city of literature, how can they do that?
0: So cityofliterature.com.au, uh, all the bookshops, libraries, writers, podcasts. There's a podcast page. Hmm. And so that, that's a website calendar, what's going on. It's a one place you can find what's going on any night of the week plus also highlighting all the things that happen in victoria you know there's 32 regional writers festivals in victoria <laughs> so there's so much going on
2: amazing thank you so much my for pleasure being a guest we'd like to thank all of you listening it really makes the work we put into Pratchat so worthwhile to know you're out there listening to us every month if you'd like to help Pratchett out, you can support the podcast by reviewing or rating us in the podcast directory where you found us, like Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or you can choose to support us monetarily via a donation or subscription. You can find out all about that on our website, pratchatpodcast.com And existing subscribers, please note that the first bits of long-awaited exclusive bonus content are coming your way soon. Liz and I finally worked out how we're doing that, so keep an eye on your inboxes for more info about the secret Ook Club. We'll be back next month, as we are always, when we'll be reading The Unadulterated Cat, Pratchett's first non-fiction humour book dedicated to the idea of the real cat, written all the way back in 1989 in collaboration with cartoonist Grey Joliffe. If you have questions about The Unadulterated Cat, send them to us via social media using the hashtag pratchat 22 Yeah, it's going to be great. (laughs) Uh, And we're going to have a great time reading it. Um, But until next time, we come back. Uh, Hopefully you will live in interestingly less Pan-Asian cultural (laughs) mishmash times. (laughs) But watch out for those quantum weather butterflies. Don't tread on them. You've been listening to Pratchat, the monthly Terry Pratchett Book Club podcast, with Pratchat as Elizabeth Flux, Ben McKenzie, that's me, and guest David Riding. Pratchat is produced and edited by me, with music by David Ashton of Sample & Holt Studios. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Pratchat Podcast, and listen to past episodes and support the production of new ones via pratchatpodcast.com. Join the conversation for this episode using the hashtag Pratchat21.
0: Pratt Chat is brought to you by Splendid Chaps Productions. We make entertainment for your ears, like the time travel comedy series Night Terrace. To find out more, visit splendidchaps.com.